Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem Show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people. Hi everybody, welcome to tonight's amazing share. We're thankful that you came tonight and it's going to be an amazing program. Tonight is share number 69 of the Let's Get Real share program with Coach Menachem Bernfeld. And again, I always start off every night, every Sunday night, thanking everybody for posting it on the WhatsApp statuses, WhatsApp statuses, and telling their friends about it. I really appreciate it today. I saw it on so many statuses, and even we got it into the Sephardic community. It's been posted all over the place. So Baruch Hashem, we opened up uh, new, new, new doors, and we're excited about that. And again, thank you for that. For everybody who's watching the replay of this on YouTube, please click on the like button for Coach Menachem the subscribe button so you can get all the shirim as they come in and we can make a lot of money on YouTube. I want to thank all our advertising sponsors, the Lakewood Scoop for promoting us here in Lakewood. A really special thank you to Ravi and Yanif Chazak. Ravi, if he's not on, I just want to say thank you because Ravi was the one who was, uh, made the shidduch here tonight and helped it all happen. He actually made next week's shidduch as well. So uh, Ravi from Chazak, we really appreciate it. And anybody who needs any information about Chazak, they offer programming for all. For more information, be part of the revolution, visit chazak.org. And Rabbi Lati actually has a lot of, uh, speaks for them a lot. So he can talk about how amazing Kazakh is and the amazing work they do. And a special thank you to Chayla Kaufman and Shmuel Sommer from the JCN Jewish Canton Network for always promoting us on all the Jewish digital platforms. Um, again, for anybody who's here for the first time, this shares every Sunday night on the Zoom ID. We have different Rabbonim, different therapists, different Chachamim that come on to uh, talk about different topics. And... Um, it's really been amazing. We have a tremendous lineup coming, and we'll get into that shortly. Next Sunday, we have a world-renowned amazing program with the famous king of Amuna Betochen, who has written so many books called Living Amuna. I happen to read every week by the Shabbos table one story in the morning and night. My kids love it. They ask me to read it over and over again. I've been it for the last many, many years. So Reb David Ashir will be here. We'll be talking about Amuna Betochen from the from Rev. David, it's, it's powerful stuff. It should be amazing, deep, meaningful. Please join us. Tell friends and family to join. Um, tonight we have the schus and the honor of having Rabbi Uri Lati. Came by popular demand. I got a lot of requests, actually, for him to come on. Actually, to have some Svartan to come on. So, uh, he's like, uh, he came here tonight. And it's going to be an amazing program. It's going to be deep. And amazing, 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 exactly. Let's start off first with an opening statement from Coach Menachem Berenfeld, our host, Dibri Chizik. Thank you very much. Welcome everyone to another Sheer. Let's get real with Coach Menachem. And I first of all want to thank those who already went to menachembernfeld.com and sponsored and are helping us out with the book that we're in the middle of putting out, the first um, few Shirim and Mitzvah Shem. Um, for those who want to donate and be part of it, menachembernfeld.com. Tonight we have this chus to have with us Rabbi Lati, which the, he has vast knowledge on many, many years of shiurim and uh, all over the world, I would say very unique, the shiurim in Arabic. And uh, I just heard that it goes all the way, all the way into where he, all the places Yad Lachim gets to. And uh, hope we'll have this chus to hear from him. So before we start, I just want to put together um, a little bit that I understand that when you when you throw the word Elo, we know that they used to say that people used to chuckle via fish. But I want to say that 
I want to put it down in three different types of people. Some people know exactly where they are, what they did last year, all the, the, all the things they took upon themselves and they're working on themselves and, and they're waiting for this L to happen again. They're waiting for the Rosh Hashanah. And if you're there, that's beautiful. Continue. Then there are those who, when you say the word Elul, they're not there anymore. They just don't want to hear it. It brings up a lot of emotion, a lot of different things, and not always are they aware. And that's that's the, the contrast. And then there are those who they hope for the best. You know, they don't know much. They're not sure where to put themselves. They're still around. They're listening. But... Uh, you know, another year and another year, um, Rosh Hashanah and El. So I want to discuss the ones that don't want to hear it. That's interesting because they're probably not here anymore. But for those who don't like the word El, there, there are people. There are people out there who who um, it's very hard for them to hear the words. And really, what what happens is that they're very self-critical. When they start thinking about themselves, in their mind, they hear things that they just don't like. And when they think about themselves, they, they, they don't want to go there because the results are not good. They're self-critical. And the, these people usually feel there's some emptiness, some loneliness. And it, it could be an unconscious feeling. Not always are they aware of what it is. It can be below the surface. But they just, they, they just feel some type of feeling. They can't pinpoint what it is. And for these people, when you talk about Elul, you talk about making self-reflection, it's not going to take them to the right place. It's not going to do the purpose. You know, the purpose of this whole thing is to get closer to Rosh Hashanah to understand, closer to our creator, to closer to Hashem. But for those who are very um, self-critical, it, it, I, I could understand why they're not around when you're talking about El. But the truth is, I, I speak to a lot of people, and a lot of people are not aware. I would just want to try this uh, very short exercise. We can do this together. We'll say three words, and then be quiet afterwards, and see what thoughts come into your mind. You have to be quiet and listen to your thoughts. So let's try this together. I'm going to say three words and you follow me. I am enough. You can try that again. You can say those three words and see what thoughts come to your mind when you hear that, when you tell yourself, I am enough. Some people can hear those voices. Sometimes it's positive and they say, yeah, that's right. Or other times, yes. The voice could be like, really? And you can hear that the critical, critical voices behind that thought that basically doesn't help, doesn't let a person think about themselves. I once had a bacher, a 13-year-old. He was basically not interested anymore in learning. He was having a very hard time. And I asked him, what can you tell me a little bit of the good things you did today? The mitzvahs. He, he had nothing to answer. He basically was walking around with an empty bank account, empty from mitzvahs. And when I told him, what do you mean? You daven, you put on tefillin. He looked at me like, uh, you're trying to make me feel good. You're going to tell him I did this, I did that. 
for such a person, if you tell him you davened and you did, you did mitzvahs, you should be jumping from joy because you have a bank account that's full. If you don't feel that way, there's nowhere we can go with um, trying to fix your Averis, talking about Averis. And this, all the Balimosa say, everybody agrees that before we try to fix, before we try to see what we can get better, you first have to understand yourself, to have a healthy self. And with that, after that, you can say, okay, now, what can I fix? What can I get better? But with walk, walking around with an empty bank account, a spiritual empty bank account, that's not going to work. I just want to mention for those who are interested in continuing in this topic, understanding what drives us, the emotions, on Wednesday, Mitz Hashem at nine o'clock, I will, Mitz Hashem, be doing just uh, for a half hour, 45 minutes. For those who are interested, can send me an email at coachmenachem at gmail.com and I will send you the link, the Zoom link, Mitz Hashem. But basically over there, we'll discuss what drives the person, what's behind of the feelings of, of, of what we have. So let's get started. Rakshem, we have this host tonight to hear, Rabbi Lati. And for those who have questions, can send it into Asher Parnas. Thank you very much. Thank you, Coach Menachem. That was a beautiful opening. Um, let's let's get into tonight's show. Again, tonight we're going to do the show. Zeich uh, Nishmas, our director here, Ornoyach Fried. Uh, it's going to be learned to Il Nishmas Shol Dov Ben Rav Naftali Tzvi. Uh, the side, I think, is now, today, or yesterday, over the weekend. Then it should be a big schus for his neshama. Thank you very much, Ornoyach, for all that he does for this year, making it happen. Robbie, who's on now, you missed your whole, your whole opening before we spoke about you and everything. I'm just letting you know, you're watching on the rewind, Robbie. Tonight's year is sponsored by the Recovery at the Crossroads. Recovery at the Crossroads is the only kosher inpatient facility treatment center in the tri-state area. They're a licensed co-occurring treatment facility, which means they're licensed to not only treat substance abuse, but all other underlying mental health conditions, such as anxieties, depression, or trauma. They've been working with 15 plus years and have helped many from families and put tremendous effort in working together with the family. If you or anyone you know is struggling with an addiction, Feel free to reach out to them at 888-466-5950, 888-466-5950. We're actually doing a shear in October with, with uh, a recovery at the Crossroads together with uh, Lou Abrams, who's a big addiction specialist. It's going to be an amazing program. If you know anybody you know that has any type of addiction struggles, it should be a very powerful program. Again, Menachem mentioned it before, but anybody who's interested in being part of the first series of Coach Menachem, I think it was the first 40 shiurim for up to Share 69, they're mail putting together the book. Please feel free to reach out to him at coachmenachem.gmail.com for the people that reached out to him. Thank you already for sponsoring a share. That was amazing. And now we're going to get into tonight's program. We have Reb Ori Latte. It's supposed to have him here tonight. Appreciate it. I'm going to read his short bio. Reb Ori Latte has been giving shiurim for the past 18 years. Started out in Arabic. The shiurim then expanded into English and Hebrew. Studying in yeshivas here and abroad, the focus on Havas Yisrael and Amuna tied into Musa and practical vice. And he's one of the newest, most very popular speakers on Torah anytime in Chazak. Uh, Rabbi Lati, the floor is yours. As you know, we're speaking in Arabic tonight, so open it up for the crowd. Okay, thank you very much, Usher. Uh, first things first, I'd like to thank Rabbi. I believe Rabbi's on the line now. Rabbi, thank you so much for giving me the zechut. I'm going to say it in the Sephardic Habara, huh? in the Sephardic you know, uh, dialect or whatever you want to say, um, giving me the zechut to be with this, uh, with this amazing uh, uh, event. Thank you, Coach Menachem. Thank you, Usher. Be'ezat Hashem, we should do many great things together. Um, so tonight, Be'ezat Hashem, we're reflecting on the gift of Elul and how do we get true happiness comes Rosh Hashanah time. 
So like Coach Menachem mentioned, many people are, are confused. Is this a sad time? Is this a serious time? Is this a happy time? Is, what should my feeling be for? Well, first of all, we have to know that the Gaon of Vilna says in the Sefer Yisira, he says, Elul is all Rachamim. We have to know that first things first. Elul is all Rachamim. It comes from a very high space in Shamayim, from a very high level of Shamayim. He says, Darga Kulo Chesed. It's all Chesed from Hashem. So if, now that we have that, that it's all Chesed, you could take that Chesed and apply it to whatever you want in your life. But we know first things first, that Elul is all Chesed from Hashem. And then he quotes the Pasuk, Ki which means Hashem, your hand, your arm is stretched to accept everyone that wants to come back to you. So what do we learn from here? That because it's all chesed, because it's all rachamim, Hashem is willing to accept you only if you're willing to help yourself. You know the famous expression, I can only help you if you want to help yourself. If you want to come back to Hashem Teshuvah, Hashem is ready for you. So it truly is the gift of Elul. It really is a gift. But again, before anything in Torah, before we delve into any word in Lashon HaKodesh, we have to see where it comes first, where it appears first in the Torah. So now I'm going to ask you, where does the word Elul appear first in the Torah? The answer is obvious, it does not. Because the word Elul is not a Hebrew word. The word Elul is an Aramaic word. It comes in Unkelus, Unkelus, the commentary or the translation on the Torah, when Hashem instructs Moshe Rabbeinu to send out spies to spy the land. The word in Hebrew is ve'aturu, which is go spy the land. And Unkelus translates it to ve'alelul, go spy the land. So what is our job in Hodesh Elul in this month? We are to reflect, to introspect inside of ourselves, to go and spy the land, which means to go and see, did we transgress? How can we fix ourselves? But now let's see what happened with the spies. 10 spies went, they came back with a negative report. Two that also went with them came back with a positive report. They went to the same exact land. They saw the same exact things. They brought back the same exact fruit. Yet 10 dwelt on the negative and two dwelt on the positive. So again, in Hodesh Elul, you could dwell on whatever you want. You could see the negative inside of you and not change and be bitter and cry and say, I have no shot, or be like the two spies that came back with a positive report. My father, Allah Shalom, told me a beautiful mashal. He said, there was once a sheikh. A sheikh is like, uh, is like a Muslim rabbi. He says, I want to send you to Egypt to see what's going on over there in Egypt. Are they learning? Are they, are they uh, praying? What are they doing with our religion, with the Muslim religion, with Islam? So he sends two of his students. They both come back. One says, Sheikh, you don't believe it. There's people, they're praying all day. They're going to the mosques. It's an unbelievable place. The second one said, what are you talking about? It's horrible. There's ladies, there's illicit things over there. It's a horrible place to go to. It's the same exact place they went to, yet one dwells on the negative, one dwells on the positive. Hodesh Elul, you are to spy out the land, which you are to spy out yourself, to introspect yourself. Do you want to dwell on the negative and have another somber year? Or do you want to dwell on the positive and really, really change, really do something with the Hodesh, with this beautiful matana that Hashem has given you? I'll tell you, Mashal, there was once, um, there was once a town that had the director of the building department. 
And the director of the building department was nitpicked on everything. You're missing this permit. You don't have these papers. I can't give you the CFOs. No, I can't give you the building instructions. You're missing the, the, the architectural plans and everything. No, no, no. So they said, do us a favor. You know, in Arabic, we have a word, dakhilak. Dakhilak means, you know, it's too much. Just give me a break. So I'm be using that the, throughout, this, throughout the, the speech, right? So it's dakhilak, now that you know what it means. Dakhilak, give, give us a break. A break. We, we, we can't do it. Uh, give us one month at least, one month where, where you let things slide. I mean, because we're missing one permit, you're not letting us build. Because we're missing one screw and it's not in the blueprint, you're, you're not letting it slide. Let it slide. He said, look. I'll give you one month. One month you come to me and I'll, I'll take it easy on you. I'll take it soft on you. Okay, no problem. One month only. So the town adjacent to this town, they told their director of the building department, hey, it's not fair. He's giving them one month where he lets things slide. Why don't you do that also? He says, what are you talking about? I let things slide the whole year. What are you talking about? I'm not, I don't nitpick. I don't, uh, you know, haggle, hassle you over over one paper or over one blueprint. I let a lot of things slide. They said, no, but please, please, just give us one month also. Let us feel all, uh, good also like them. So if you want one month, okay, no problem. I'm willing to be with you one month, but I still don't understand. That's the mashal. The nimshal is, the lesson is, Hashem is with us the whole year. It's not Chodesh Elul only, but we focus on Chodesh Elul because as we know, Rav Shnur Zaman of Ladi, the Admora Zakin, he says, Hamelech Basadeh right now. Hashem is the king. He's in the forest right now, but he's with us the whole time. But sometimes it's hard to get to him. I understand. But now he's Melech Basadeh. Now he's here. The head of the building department is saying, whatever you want, I'm here for you. I'm willing to hear your all your complaints. I'm willing to hear everything. I'm letting everything slide. That's the Hodesh Matana of Elul. That's the beautiful gift of Elul. So just Adra, but just the opposite. If we know this is a beautiful gift, we have to say, thank you, Hashem, for giving us this gift. This is the month. This is the month that I'm going to come close to you. This is the month that makes me so happy. Is the Gemara Masichet Shabbat, Dafyod. It says, a person that wants to give give a gift to his friend, he must let him know what the gift is. Uh, Rashid Tosafot over there explained why. But again, if you want to give, give a gift to your friend, you have to let him know what the gift is. The Gemara over there says, the gift that Hashem let us know what it is, is Shabbat. Hashem tells us, I have a beautiful gift and it's Shabbat. But it's also this beautiful month of Elul. Imagine. Imagine Hashem did not tell us, you have a Chodesh Rachamim and Selichot, you're able to, I'm able to forgive you whatever you want. You're able to supplicate. You're able to wake up in the morning. You're able to pray to me. Imagine Hashem doesn't give us this gift, but Hashem, no. He's saying, I'm giving you this gift. I'm letting you know when this gift is, when this month is. So you come in Bed-Din and Chodesh Tishrei. You come in Rosh Hashanah ready, just like Lehabdil. Lehabdil, I don't want to uh, compare it. Lehabdil jury duty, right? Many people try to get away with jury duty. I don't know how they do it, but... Um, Jury duty, they give you a warning. They give you, they, they, or, or they give you an invitation, if you want to say, in another month or another two weeks, you're coming to jury duty. But imagine, they don't even tell you when your appointment is. They just call you on the phone, come right now. Uh, I don't know. I had things lined up in my head I wanted to say, but now I'm not ready. What do I do? That's the hab deal. That's, I don't want to compare it. But Hashem is giving God Chodesh Elul. He's saying, come with all the things that you want, with all your requests, with all the transgressions that you think you transgressed, put them on a piece of paper, come to me and you're ready. That's a beautiful gift. Imagine we didn't have that gift. So the Gemara says when a person gives, gives a gift to his friend, he has to let him know what the gift is. 
So imagine HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem Almighty, He's giving us this beautiful gift of Elul. He's letting us know you have Chodesh Elul before the Chodesh of Tishrei, before the Chodesh of the Yamim Noraim, before the high holidays. So what is Chodesh Elul? Where does Chodesh Elul come from? So I saw in Yalkut Shimoni, which is a Midrash, it says when Hashem first created the world, the Malachim told Hashem, Hashem, like we're telling you don't create man. Man will transgress. He will sin. There's no point. You only get heartaches. You only get sorrow and pain and anguish. He'll upset you a lot. Don't create him. Hashem creates him anyway. Comes a generation of the flood where Hashem, as I like to call it, he does an extra sketch of the whole world. He shakes it up and he, he clears everything up, right? But the Dora Mabul, before the generation of the flood, there were two angels. We can't say their names. But two angels come to Hashem. They say, Hashem, we told you so. We told you don't create man. Look what he did, Abu Dazara, idolatry. He did Shefichud Damim, he committed murder. He's doing more relations. Hashem, we told you don't create man. So you know what Hashem tells the angels? I guarantee you, if you went down to earth, you will sin like them also. So they told Hashem, no, try us. So Hashem says, I'll try you. They went down to earth. They saw a beautiful lady by the name of Istihar. That was her name, Istihar. I heard that in Persian, Iranian, istihar means star. Maybe that's why they called Esther, Esther, because she was a star. I heard it's called istihar is a star. Okay. I don't know, Iranian or Persian. But they saw this beautiful lady, istihar, and one of the angels says, you know, I see you very beautiful. Can you marry me? She says, no problem. I'll marry you on one condition. Tell me the name of Hashem, the Shem Emeforash, the holy name of Hashem. I'd like to know that name. She says, if that's the condition, that's the requirement to marry you, I'll give you that name. He gives her that name. She says that name. She goes all the way up to Shemaim. The Rosh, the commentator or the Posek, the Halachak Posek, Rosh says that Hashem took that Istihar, he put her as a zodiac sign in one of the months of Elul. So Hodesh Elul is a Betula. Because if you see in the zodiac sign of Hodesh Elul, it's a Betula, a lady that's not touched. So So let's understand something. If this lady that's not touched, she wanted to run away from sin, so she says, she says the, the name of Hashem. She goes up to Shemaim. Hashem makes her as the Hodesh Elul, as a Betula. So you know what the Rosh is telling to us? The Rosh is saying in Hodesh Elul, you have the opportunity to become like a lady that's untouched, to clean yourself to clean everything that you transgressed if you only request that you want me to help you. I took that lady that's untouched. We'll talk about what it means. Uh, the Belzerov also says a lot of things in his Sefer, but in the, the Ber Shalom, but we'll, we'll talk about it. But Hodesh Elul is Betula, the Zodiac sign is the Betula, which means you could reach a point in yourself as, as the Hasidic masters call, call the Pintalayid, right? There's the, there's the point inside yourself that nobody can touch, that you can't break it, just like we have the loose bone in the, in, in the back, in the, in the spinal cord, that you can't break no matter what. We have the Pintalayid. No matter what, nobody can touch it. Nobody can, can, can and blemish it. Nobody can, can make it dirty. If you tap into that point of the Betula, of the lady that nobody touched, you could find your way back to Hashem. I gave one time a speech I called it the point of return. There's no such thing by a Yehudi, by a Jewish person of the point of no return. That Maybe that's a movie, but there's no such thing as point of no return. For us, for the Yehudim, it's always point of return. So you have to tap into that piece of the Betula 
that Hashem says, I take her, I make her a star, I make her the zodiac sign of the Hodesh Elul, she's untouched, and in that you can find your way back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But again, we have to remember, the Melech is in the, is in the field. The Melech is in the field. If the whole year was very hard for us to come close to Hashem, because we had our own schedule, because we had our own things, we couldn't find time to come to Hashem. Hashem saying, you don't find time for me. I have all the time for you right now. Hodesh Elul, the Melech is in the Sadeh. But what's the misconception? And this is what I want to dispel. I want to dispel the notion that Hashem is some sort of achzar or some sort of, of, of cruel being or spirit that's just waiting to zap us on every little thing that we do. That's if we have the eyes or the glasses of a basar vadam, of a mortal human being. Because, you know, if I do something to you, you're waiting to revenge and act to revenge to do something to me. That's not how Hashem works. That's not how Hashem works. Ah, so why do we see sometimes that there's bad things that happen in the world? That's a different topic. But Hashem is not there just waiting to, to, to zap us. That's if you have the glasses of a mortal human being. Take off those glasses and just think about it. You know what it means, Teshuvah? You know what it means? Don't worry. All we have to do is repent to Hashem and Hashem will forgive all our iniquities. Imagine going to the bank. You have a balance of negative 10,000. You go to the director of the bank, you know, I'm really sorry. I, I bounced some checks. I, could, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do that. Now, what do you think the director of the bank is going to tell you? Okay, no, no problem. Everything's forgiven. Of course not, because that's a mortal human being. Don't equate a mortal human being to Hashem. Hashem is not like that. Hashem says, you have a balance of negative 10,000. You have, you have a lot of minuses. You have a lot of sins. No problem. You want to start? You want to freshly on life? You want, you, want to, you want to rejuvenate yourself? You want to refresh yourself? No problem. Everything's erased. How could that be? How, how does something like Teshubah go in the head? Because Teshubah... We have to remember, Teshubah was created before Hashem created the world. It's one of the 10 things or seven things, depends on where you read, that were created before Hashem created the world. So it's not limited to the boundary of our time over here. That's why Teshubah is something that does not go, that, that it's, it's uncomprehensible. We can, cannot understand what Teshubah is. But Hashem is willing to erase everything that we want, that we want Him to erase. You know why? Because Hashem, the other day they said, like, I think it was a meaningful minute or a daily dose. I forgot what the rabbi was, but he's saying, Hashem is your, uh, Rabbi Shlomo Farhi. So he says, Hashem is your best friend. Talk to Hashem like you would talk to your best friend. The only problem is, we don't. We don't. When the Pasuk says, You have to love your friend like you love yourself. Your friend is Hashem. The Pasuk says, your friend and the friend of your father and your friend of the ancestors. Hashem was there. He is here. He'll always be here. He'll always listen to you. So as if you would look, talk to your friend, whatever is going on in your life, whatever pain you have in your life, whatever sorrow you have in your life, whatever problems you have in your life, you talk to your friend. So talk to Hashem. What is Hashem to Moshe Rabbeinu? Hayad Hashem tiktsar. You think I can't do it? Moshe Rabbeinu is telling Hashem, I have 600,000 people over here. They're complaining they want meat. How am I going to give meat to all the Jews? So Hashem says, you're doubting me for a second? You think my hand is not stretched out to be able to give them? So the obvious question is, what? Moshe doesn't know that. Moshe doesn't know that Hashem's hand is able to give, his hand is able to give 600,000 men and more. So why does Moshe Rabbeinu ask Hashem, how are you going to be able to feed all the Jews? Moshe Rabbeinu knew that, but he wanted Hashem to write in the Torah. Hayad Hashem Tiksar with the question. You think I'm not able to give meat to all the Jews? You think I'm not able to, to relieve all the problems of all the Jews and all the generations? We have to remember that 
that line. Hayad Hashem Tiksar. Do you think for a moment that Hashem is, is incapable, is not capable of giving you what you want? And I'll conclude with this because I know there's a lot of questions. He brings the Mishnah and Mishnah Perkei Abot, the last Perik. He says, every single day we have a heavenly voice that comes out of Har Choreb, which is Har Sinai, and says, Shubu Banim Shobabim. Come back to me, you wild boys or you wild sons or the people that have transgressed and have veered off the way, come back to me. So he asks the question, I don't hear the sound. Do you hear this voice? You could ask anybody around you. Do you ever hear this voice every single day? Nobody hears this voice. He says, but that voice is located inside your heart. That voice is located inside your body, inside your neshama, deep down your neshama. If you want to hear that voice, you can hear that voice. We you know what the holy rabbis tell us? That voice comes out every single day, the 30 days or the 29 days of Hodesh Elul. Every single day, the voice screams out, come back, my sons, don't be worried. Don't think I'm here to get you. I'm not here to get you. I have so much Rahmanut on you. I called. I named the Hodesh Elul, Hodesh Rahamim Basilihot. What better name do you want that? If Hodesh Ab is called Menachem Ab, I console you in Menachem Ab. Imagine Hodesh Elul is called Hodesh Rahamim Basilihot. I'm calling out to you. I want you to come back to me. I want to forgive everything that you have done. This Bnei Sakhar says, you know, I say, I'll conclude with this, but I never conclude with anything. But the Bnei Sakhar says on the Pasuk and Mishle in Proverbs, Masa Isha Matsatov. If you find a, a wife or if you find a lady, you have found good. What's the deep meaning of that Pasuk? So the Bnei Sakhar says, Masa Isha is talking about a Betula. Hodesh Elu, that Betula. If you have found that Betula, that lady that nobody has touched, if you have found her, you have found good. Because everybody wants to come back to their creator. We are a piece of Hashem. Our neshama is is a piece of Hashem high and above. We want to come back to Hashem. So the Bnei Sakhar says, If you find that lady in Hodesh Elul, if you tap into that awesome power of Hodesh Elul, Matzatob. And what does the Mishnah say in Masechet Ketubot? It says, We give a betula 12 months to get ready before her wedding. She gets engaged. We give her 12 months to get ready. So you know what the deeper meaning is? We give the Hodesh Elul, which is a betula, the power to fix all the rest of the months. Hodesh Elul, we're able to fix. We give her the 12 months, which means we give her the power to fix all the 12 months. That's what the Sefer Panim Yafot says. And if you don't mind, this is the story I'd like to conclude with. Sorry, Usher. So the question is, what, what, I mean, what's, what's that power? What's that power? With a, with a few mere words, we're able to erase all the, our iniquities, all our transgressions, all our sins with, with a few words. So there's a beautiful mashal, one of my rabbis told me. He says, the safari, the main attraction of the safari is the lion and the lioness. That's the main attraction. But what happened? The lion, the lioness, they died. Okay, so now what? If we don't have a lion and a lioness in the zoo, Who's going to come? Who's going to come to the safari? Who's going to come to the zoo? Nobody's going to come. We won't, we won't have any visitors. We'll lose a lot of money. So they said, by the time we get new ones from Africa, it's going to take a few months. There's no time, but we'll lose money. So they took two people. They dressed them up, one as a lion, one as a lioness. And nobody knew any better. They were selling tickets. People were coming in. They saw the lion, the lioness behind the cages. Beautiful. So one day, one person comes to the zookeeper and he says, you phony, you fool. 
you scam artist, you con artist. He says, what happened? He says, yesterday I heard the lion and lioness, one tell the, the other, what time do we get lunch? So how are you fooling us? It's not a lion, it's not a lioness. You know what the zookeeper tells him? So big deal, what's the big deal? Just because you heard them say a few words, that doesn't mean they're not a lion and a lioness. That's the mashal. That's the analogy. The lesson is, yes, we're very far from Hashem throughout the year. We're very far. But you know what Hashem says? In Hodesh Elul, I want to hear a few words from you. That's all I want to hear. You're not a lion. You're not a lioness. But a few words from you have the power to transform you into a lion. To transform you into a lioness with that victory that you can have in Hodesh Elul. With that strength, with that energy that you can have in Hodesh Elul. Throughout the whole year, yes, you're right. You were very far away. But just a few mere words. That's all I want to hear from you. Whatever the words are, just to show me that you're close to me. That's what I want in Hodesh Elul. And that's the beautiful gift in Hodesh Elul. And if we know that's a beautiful gift, who, how, how, how do we not get some Khan Hodesh Elul? You know, you call it, how do we get, how do we access true happiness? If you know Hashem is waiting for us, if you know that Hashem is close to us, Hashem is willing to hear everything, no matter what happened, that's how you could get the Azad Hashem, true happiness in Hodesh Elul. Beautiful, beautiful opening. Appreciate that. Let's give you one minute break. Let's take a poll. We got some questions that got sent in. Want to ask you? We have a few live ones over here pending. So let's start off with a poll, okay? Sure. So here we go. So everybody on the screen, you can see the two questions. We want to get a feeling from everybody. What is your feeling when Elul arrives? Three, three choice answer. First option is scared when Elul comes. Second answer is empowered. You feel empowered when Elul comes. The third answer is I feel disconnected and numb. I don't feel anything. Second question is. How will you choose to connect better during Elul? Option A, learning more. Option B, davening with more concentration. Option C, spending more time doing a cheshbon on Efesh. Or option D, taking on a new Kabbalah. So everybody answer the two questions. Let's get a feeling. Let's, let's get the rabbi. And then uh, he's here tonight. Everybody turn on your cameras. Let's ask him all the hard questions. No, girl. Like he said he wants to be challenged. <laughs> he, wants you to, he wants you to get it from all sides. Listen, we all have questions, Rabbi. Whatever I'm you sweating can already. I'm sweating already. You're sweating already? Okay, take, take a drink of water. Yeah. Okay, five seconds. I just learned the secret from the Bab Trevor and Melch Basada, so it was good, good, good. I learned it at the shows. Beautiful. Admar Zakin. Admar Zakin. Okay, five, four, three, two, one. Okay, let's share with everybody. Okay. So everybody. Here are the answers. What is your feeling when Elul arrives? 41% of the people feel scared. 41% of the people feel empowered. See that? And 18% feel disconnected and numb. So we have a feeling of positivity. If I, you know, it's like a little bit split between scared and empowered. How will you choose to connect better during Elul? 9% of people said they'll learn more. 42% of the people say they'll dive in with more concentration. Third, that's the number one answer. 35% of the people sp spend more time doing Cheshman and Efesh. And 14% of people said they will take on a new Kabbalah. You can X out the screen. Okay, I have questions over here. We have a few live ones. I'll start off with my questions. I will send in. Hmm? Oh, you're muted? Okay. You know, let's take a live question first because you're muted. You're on. Hi, Rabbi Lati. Thank you for taking my question. And thank you for introduction. your introduction. Um, just coming off the poll that was taken, you feel when Elu comes. I personally feel very empowered, logically, and Baruch Hashem, I had a lot of great Elul's in my Maaseh, 
when I learned in yeshivot, those days especially, I learned great. But I just didn't feel that I could connect to Elul. I didn't feel that concept of I felt I'm learning better, I'm doing mitzvot better. I didn't feel that special connection to Hashem. And uh, I feel part of the reason might be is because of this super fast-paced world. Things go one after another so quickly, and we don't have time. I don't have time to think to myself. But also, I think part of it is just the environment. When I go to the streets, I don't see a difference, and it looks like it's a regular day, like the rest of the year. I don't feel ill in the streets, as they say. And the other thing, which really is a lead-up of Elul, is Rosh Hashanah. I Baruch Hashem, I. I like to dive in Rosh Hashanah, but I know one of the big concepts of Rosh Hashanah is Malchiyot, to crown Hashem. And I don't know what, I don't know how to relate to that. I know to dive in Rosh Hashanah, to ask for this, ask for a great year, but I don't know how to feel Hashem's melucha. We always say the whole year Hashem could do anything he wants the whole year. So I don't know how to add on top of that what it means Hashem is a melech. If the whole year he's the, he's the ruler of the world. If you could help me somehow tap into those feelings, give me some sort of advice, I would appreciate it. Wow. Loaded question. Revlati, Revlati, can you, can you recap the question? Can I recap the question? Sure. He's, if I understand him correctly, he's, um, he's feeling, well, we all feel this way where we were brought up in Hadesh Elul because it's just a fast-paced world and we don't have time to think and do cheshbon and nefesh. And chodesh just comes smack there. We have to know, you know, how do we how do we crown Hashem as we're saying malchuyot? That's the central theme of uh, one of the central themes, three uh, one of the three of Rosh Hashanah. How do we crown Hashem king? If Hashem is king throughout the year, what does that mean to crown Hashem king in Rosh Hashanah? If I understand this question correctly, yes, yes, and also does how to feel the whole. Uh, instead of just doing it how do you feel that connection to Hashem also which is the lead up to Rosh Hashanah how do you feel that connection to Hashem in Hodesh Elul I'll tell you a mashal a mashal I said a very long time ago I brought it from Rabbi Nisim again I love a shalom he says there was a boy one time playing by the shore, playing with the sand, making sand castles and, and burying his brother. And he sees a cruise liner, an ocean liner in the distance. And he does like this, you know, like uh, we used to do the trucks in camp, like make your noise, make your, make your toot or whatever it is. So there's a person passing by. He says, what are you, what are you doing? The, the guy's in the ocean liner. You think the captain has time for you to do his, his sound? He says, don't worry about it. So he keeps on doing it like this and the ocean liner is passing by. And again, he comes again and he tells him, what are you doing? I told you, the guy's not even looking at you. Why are you so certain that he's going to do your sound when he, when he tell him to do that? He says, I'm so certain that the captain is going to do the sound because the captain is my father. So in Hodesh Elul, we have to understand something that, as we said earlier, Melech Basadeh. Melech Basadeh means that the Melech made time to come to you. You understand what that means? Like throughout the year, we don't have time, like we said, with our busy schedule to... to we quit Hashem and beseech Hashem to ask what we want. But Hashem is coming to us. The Melech Basadeh is here right now. And he's, he's imagine this. 
He's canceling all his appointments. Everything's on hold. He's coming just to hear you. You know, how are we so sure about that? Because he's our father. We say, Abinu Malkenu. We have to understand. Every single day, by the way, we say, Salah lanu abinu ki hatanu, lanu malkenu ki fashanu. Why do we say, Salah lanu abinu ki hatanu? Forgive us, Father, for we have sinned. Why do we say that? Because we have a concept. A king that uh, forgives his honor, you, he can't forgive his honor because it's, it's crowned from above. But if a father is willing to forgive his son for his kavod, for his honor, it's forgiven. So we're called, like we said in last week's parasha, Hashem let us know that we're his children. If Hashem let us know that we're his children, even though he's melech, and even though we say melech every single day, and even though we say melech and Rosh Hashanah, that's one of the three central themes, but we have to understand before the melech, comes the father, before the Malkenu comes the Abinu. I'll tell you a mashal. Rabbi Chaim Kreisworth, in the Second World War, you know, one of his students, he came over to me and he says, Rabbi, look, I, I, I think it's any day now they're going to take him to the concentration camp. The Nazis in Mahshemah B'Zichram, do me a favor, Rabbi, here's the, the, the numbers to my Swiss bank account. If you find anybody from my relatives that will make it after the war, please give him this number and he'll take all the money. Okay, and sure, sure enough, we should never know, but they took him, the Nazis took him and he perished in the war. Rabbi Chaim Kreisworth, afterwards, is, are you sending anything? No, 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 continue, continue, continue. Oh, I'm sorry, I saw, I thought you sending to me. So Rabbi Chaim Kreisworth, um, after the war, he found himself of Nebrak and he was over there and he sees somebody comes over to him, Sadaka, 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 Sadaka. He says, okay, where do you come from? What's your name? Turns out that this person asking for tzedakah was the son of the person that perished in the war. He says, beautiful, now is the opportunity to give you a Shabbat Abedah, to give you back something that I've been meaning to give you or somebody in the, in the in family for a long time. He gives them the number of the Swiss bank account. And he's the, he's the richest person in Bnei Brak. So here's my question to you, or Rabbi Chaim Kreiswer asked the question. Was this person rich right now or was he rich the whole time? He was rich the whole time. What was the difference? He didn't know. So he says, the Mishnah and Pirkei Avot tells us we are called Hashem's children. Hashem loves us even more to tell us that we're called his children. He made it explicit in the Torah, black and white. Why does Hashem have to tell us that we're his children? Do we not know that we're his children? Because if one day we ever forget, we ever think that we're far from him because he's too much, he's Malkenu. He's out there. He's never going to come to me. He's never going to listen to me. No, 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 no. He's over there. He's by the ocean liner. He's willing to listen to you, to make you that voice because he's your father. He's willing to come to you. Coming to you right now, you say it every single day. You are my father. If, my, if he's my father, then there's nothing for me to be afraid of. If he's my father, then I could talk to him. The father wants to hear his son's problems whenever it is, any time of the day. But we just say now in this time, as we said earlier, because if we thought that throughout the whole year, it was very far or very hard for us to come close to Hashem. Melech Basadeh is right now, but don't forget, even though he's called Melech Basadeh, he's still Abinu. He's still our father, our father that's willing to hear everything, to hear, uh, to hear our, 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 um, our tefillot, our supplications, our, our begging. So the problem is, you're right, we are in a very fast-paced world, and sometimes we don't have time to think, we don't have time to do hashbun and nefesh, and that's, that's a problem. Misalati Sharim says it clear. He says, we see it from Par'a. Par'a didn't give the Jews a time to think. 
Because you know that if the Jews think for a second, they'll say, what are we doing? Our multitude is much more than Paro. What are we doing? Let's revolt against him. But he gave them Abu Dhabi Sadeh, he gave them Abu Dhabi he gave them back-breaking labor. He made the men work the ladies' job and the ladies to work the men's job, just not to think for a second. He said, that's exactly what the Yeser does. The evil inclination does that to us every single day. He doesn't give you a second to breathe, a second to think. Just think of the last time you were able, I don't know if you're married or not, but just think of the last time you went to dinner with your wife and your phone was on silent. Imagine putting your phone on silent. That's something like from, who, who puts their phone on silent anymore? But every single second, zzz, 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 because you know, you don't want to put it on ringer in the restaurant, so you put it on vibrate. Zzz, zzz, zzz. But it, why, why? I'm making time for my wife. We want to go out. We want to have a nice time. Why is it so difficult? Because that's the yesterday. He doesn't want to give you a second to enjoy the good things in, in life. He doesn't want to give you a second to breathe. He doesn't want to give you a, th- a second to think. So that's, that's what's happening to us in this fast-paced world, like you called it. Yes, the Yisra doesn't give us time to think. But you know what? In Hodesh Elul, Hashem has all the time in the world. You know what the Arizal says? He says every single day in Hodesh Elul, or really, say the Sephardim say Anna almost every single day. He says, Hashem, Hashem, Rahum, Vihanun, Erech, but 13 attributes of mercy from Hashem. He says these 13 ab- attributes don't come down every single day. They come down sporadically throughout the year. He says, for example, in Hanukkah, we have 13. Every single day is one attribute. And the last day you have the rest. He says, by Hodesh Elul, in the 29 days of Elul, every single day, the 13 attributes of mercy come down every single day. So imagine every single day in Hodesh Elul, you have why is Hashem doing that? What kind of gift is, is why is he doing that to us? Why is he giving us, giving us that privilege? Because Hashem, Hashem has so much mercy on us. Because Hashem is our Avinu. Again, he is, he is Malkenu. But before, again, I, that's why I said earlier, I want to dispel that notion. He's not only Malkenu, he is Abinu. Before he's Malkenu, he is Abinu. With everything that's going on in our life, with the fast-paced world that we have in our life, with not being able to think for a second in our life, but Hashem is making time for us. So if Hashem is making time for us, it's only appropriate for us to make time for him. So I, ho- I, hope, I hope in a way that, that, uh, that answered your question, that we, we, have to, we, have to, we have to always remember, before Malkenu, he's Abinu. We have to always remember that. All right, we're getting a lot of powerful questions over here. Let's start with some of the some more basic ones. We'll get into some powerful ones. Okay, um, I was raised at El the time of fear and honesty. I don't like the feeling until this very day. I'm more sad during the time of El. Please guide me, Rabbi. Okay, so it's like the Paul said, is it is it a time for, for Simcha? Is it a time for, for uh, uh, do I feel empowered? Do I feel uh, upset? I'll tell you, the Saba of Shipoli, in his town, there was, uh, there was a person that passed away and he left his wife in Almana, a widow. And people of the town tried to help this Almana by buying honey from her. She sold honey, they would buy her honey and they would give her money and she would have her panasa that way. One day, this Amana, this widow was very sick and the daughters of this widow came to the suburb of Shipoli and they said, Rabbi, what are we going to do right now? Please, Rabbi, pray for our mother to get better. The Rabbi had no answer for them. Rabbi, please pray for our mother to get better. He says, you know, I'll tell you what to do. I'll buy honey from you. Take that honey, give it to your mother and tell her that you should give it to 
her long lost husband, which means any day now she's going to pass away. So the, 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 the daughters went crazy. What are you talking about, Rabbi? The daughter, she's going she's gonna to pass away. Rabbi, instead of blessing our mother, instead of dabbing for our mother, telling her that she's going to pass away. And all the, all the daughters fainted on the spot. When they came through, when they came to, the rabbi says, no, 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 no don't worry. Everything is going to be fine. Everything is going to be fine. That pahad that I put inside of you, that fear and trepidation that I put inside of you was enough to atone for the sin and that's why your mother was sick. Because of your sin, your mother was sick. But I was able to take away that, that uh, sickness. I was able to take away that gezera or that decree from your mother by instilling fear inside of you and trepidation inside of you. What does that mean? We have a concept. If a person enacts judgment on himself here in this world, Hashem doesn't enact judgment on him up there because Hashem says, he did his job. He understood. He, he understood the lesson. I sent him some things for him to wake up. If he was able to wake up, very good. So that's uh, that's we take away the fear from a person by by instilling fear. Excuse me, by instilling fear in a person down here in in, in Aritz, in the land, we're able to take away his gezerot up there in Shemaim. So that's one way of looking at Hodesh Elul. Hodesh Elul, we're supposed to be very afraid. Melech, Malkenu, uh, every single day by Sepharadim we do Salihot, and it's a very fearful time. Okay, if you want to do that, there's different strokes of different folks. If you want to do that, instill in yourself fear, trepidation, you want to be afraid in Hadash Elul, scared in Hadash Elul, that's your way because you know, Deen Lamata and Deen Lamala. If I enact Deen on myself here in, in the land, there's no Deen up in Shamaim. And we've heard stories. We've heard stories of, for example, Rabbi Cheska Levenstein. He couldn't sleep the whole Chodesh Elul. He says, I really want to sleep. I'm very tired, but I can't sleep because I'm very afraid. Or they say in, in different Hasidic circles that even the walls, even the walls were afraid from when they heard Chodesh Elul, when, the, when they got up, Chodesh Mebarachim, Chodesh Elul, when they said Elul, everybody said, oh, Melech, everybody was in trepidation, everybody was scared. But I'll tell you the truth, we're very far away, at least I could say that about myself, we're very far away from the yesteryear. We're very far away from the attitude that they had for very simple reason. The Pasuk says in the Navi Amos, when a lion roars, everybody's afraid. But there's a big difference when the lion is behind his cage or when the lion is out of the cage. If the lion's out of the cage, everyone's afraid. If the lion's in the cage, why should I be afraid? He's behind the cage. Yesteryear uh, generation were afraid. You know why? Because they felt as the lion was here. They had nothing blocking them. As the question earlier was, we live in a fast-paced society or fast-paced environment. There's things blocking us. We don't feel sometimes the lion. Arye is a lion. Arye is a shetebot, the acronym. Aleph is Elul. Resh is Rosh Hashanah. Yod is Yom Kippur. And Hez Hashanah Rabbah. The high holidays, the days of awe. Why sometimes we don't feel it? We don't feel the lion because the lion's behind the cage because we have things blocking because we don't have really time to think about Hashem. It's too much. You want me to be afraid of Hashem? You want me to be excited? Because in some happiness, I don't really have time to think of Hashem. The rabbis of yesteryear, the older generation, they didn't have anything. They didn't have smartphones. They didn't have social media. They didn't have things blocking them. So the line was there. The line was actually there in front of them. So that's why who's not afraid of this line? So that's the difference between our generation and the generation before. 
But I'll tell you, Abraham Shapira Shlita, the rabbi of Merkaz Arav, every time he used to come in to do his shi'ur, they used to sing to him the song, uh, you're likened like a Kohen Gadol, the holy priest that came out of the Kodesh Kodashim, the, high, the, high, the holy of holies. And he said, every time they sing that to me, I get afraid. They're singing it to me. They're singing. They're comparing me like the, like the holy priest. They're comparing me like the Kohen Gadol. But every time they sing it to me, I'm afraid. I, I, I think of the Kohen Gadol. I think, I think of, the, of the Yom Kippur. I think of the day of, oh, I think of the day that we have to be afraid of Hashem. I think of the day that, that we have to repent to Hashem. So why, why is he able to think that? And sometimes people can't think that. Because we're talking about a, a holy rabbi. Rabbi doesn't have anything to block him. He doesn't have any obstacles. He doesn't have anything to, to, dis, to, to dissuade him or, or to, to, for him to think about anything else other than Hashem. So that's, that's the aspect of fear. But I don't want to talk about the aspect of fear. Again, I, I, I don't like, you know, we, we could do Teshuvah Me'ahaba and Teshuvah Mira. We could repent to Hashem from love and repent to Hashem from fear. But between us, who wants to go to a class or shir when, when all they talk about is, 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 is purgatory or Gehinnam or there's going to be, you know, a fire or it's going to be very hot over there. I don't know what's waiting for you. Who, who, wants, to, who wants to repent that way? I mean, when you repent, people repent because they're afraid, but that's not true repentance. True repentance is, I understand that I sinned and I want to come back to my creator. I want to do it besimcha. I want to do it be'ahaba. I want to do it out of love. I want to do it out of happiness. I want to come back to Hashem. So I want to talk about the concept of ahaba. I want to talk about the concept of simcha. Rabbi Yaakov Ariel Slita said that they asked him, they, you know, they said, we see a lot of chassidim, they dance on Rosh Hashanah. They dance in Elul. Instead of being fearful, instead of being afraid, they're dancing in, in, in Rosh Hashanah. They're dancing in Elul. Why is that? Because it's very simple. I'll tell you why. In the nine days, it's a sur for us to do laundry. In the nine days, we can't do any laundry, right? He says, why can't we do any laundry? Because the halakha says, when you launder your clothes, it makes you happy. When you clean something, it makes you happy. He says, now they know they're in Chodesh Elul. They're in Rosh Hashanah. Hashem is cleaning them for their sins. So of course they're going to be happy. If I know that my father is cleaning me out of all my sins, I'm coming in Chodesh Elul. I'm requesting for Hashem to forgive me of all my sins. He's taking my dirty clothes. He's cleaning it, sending it back to me as a white garment. Of course, I'm going to be happy. So he says, that's what it means, Hodesh Elul. Hodesh Elul is supposed to be Bismcha. Again, you want to look at the Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch Siman, Tafkov Sadik Zayin. You can look over there. He tells you whether you should be afraid, whether you should be in Simcha. Everybody, you know, like we said, everybody connects to Hashem in a different way. Should I be afraid? Should I be happy? It depends on how you connect to Hashem. There's no, there's no black and white answer. There's no simple answer to that. However you connect to Hashem, whatever connects you to Hashem easier, that's, that, that's what you should choose. And by the way, you know there's a, there's a mitzvah on Rosh Hashanah to be happy? Yes, there's a mitzvah on Rosh Hashanah to be happy. Even though the books of life and death are open in front of Hashem, even though Hashem is judging the whole world, but there's a mitzvah to be happy. You know where the rabbis get it from? The Pasuk says, Worship or serve Hashem with happiness and tremble with fear. I understand. One second. Should I serve him with happiness or should I tremble with fear? Well, it depends. If you really believe that Hashem will forgive all your sins, 
then you should serve Hashem with happiness. But if you feel that you're very far away from Hashem, if you don't really feel that Hashem is Abinu, He's not there tooting His horn, He's not there rooting for you, then really you should be Gilu Birada. You know what the Gemara in Masechet Abu Dazara says? I said this once in the class. It says, If you cook on Friday afternoon or Friday, you will have what to eat on Shabbat. On Shabbat. If you don't go buy the kugel, I know you like kugel, or you buy the cholent, or we like the hameen, different foods. If you don't go buy them on Friday, what do you expect to eat on Shabbat? That's what the Gemara says. It means if you don't work on yourself in this olam, how do you expect to face your creator in the world to come? But the rabbis say, if you don't work on yourself on the sixth day, you will have nothing to eat on the seventh. Now, Chodesh Elul is the sixth because we start from Nisan, Iyar, Sivan, Tammuz, Ab, Elul. Chodesh Elul is the sixth. If you don't work on yourself or if you don't buy things that you need on the sixth, what will you, how will you face your creator on the seventh, which is Chodesh Tishrei, which is the high holidays? If you don't work on yourself in Chodesh Elul, how will you face Hashem in Chodesh Tishrei? Whatever you want, you want to you want to work on yourself. Bismha, come closer to Hashem. You want to dance. You want to come closer to Hashem. Feel empowered that you have the mitzvah of teshuvah. That's a beautiful way. You want to come to Hashem bilada. You want to come to Hashem with trepidation, with fear, with awe. That's another way to come to Hashem. But we 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 can't we can't forget. Hodesh Elul is called Elul for the acronym of Ani ledodi vedodi li. I am to my beloved, and my beloved is to me. The rabbis ask a very simple question. Why is he called Dodi? Dodi is my uncle. Dodi in Hebrew means uncle. It should say, I am for my husband and my husband is to me. Why does it say, I am to my beloved or to my uncle and my uncle is to me? The rabbis say, when a, when a baby is born, he's born into a family. He's born into a father, into a mother, into siblings, into an uncle, into aunt, into cousins. He doesn't choose he doesn't choose the family, but a person can choose his wife and the wife can choose the husband. There's a minus, we should never know, but there's a minus when it comes to spouses. If a lady is not, you know, she has problems with her husband, she could divorce him. Or if a husband has problems with his wife, he could divorce her. So if Hashem would have wrote in Shir Hashirim, in the Song of Songs, I am to my wife and my wife is to me. What do we say? Oh, just like a husband can divorce his wife, that means one day when Hashem is upset at us, or one day when Hashem is angry at us, he could divorce us also. Hashem says, no, that's why I'm not calling you my wife. I'm referring to you as Anil Dodi Vedodi Li. I am to my beloved, to my uncle, that my uncle that comes from Israel and gives me that gifts. Am I always waiting to see him? And no matter what, he can't divorce me. A husband can divorce his wife. A wife can divorce her husband. But an uncle can't divorce his nephew. An uncle can't divorce his nephew. He's always there for him. Hashem is always there for us. So connect to him in awe, connect to him in fear, in trepidation, connect to him in ha. He's always there for you. You know what Rabbi Isla Belzer says? Rabbi Isla Belzer says, Look at the Pasuk in Shira Shirim. It says, My beloved is knocking on the door. When? In Hodesh Elul. He says, Open up for me. Why doesn't it say, 
Hashem is saying, doesn't say pithuli. He says, pithili. He says, you open up for me. You specific. When it comes to connecting to Hashem, you can't emulate other people. You can't copy other people. What works for him doesn't work for you. If fear works for him, fear might not work for you. If somehow works for him, somehow not work for you. So Rabbi Simcha Blazer says, Rabbi Isla Blazer says, no matter how you want to connect, connect. But doesn't matter how you connect, as long as you connect. That's pithili. The Hidush Harim actually says, the Hidush Harim says, in Hodesh Elul, as we said earlier, the Hodesh Elul, the days themselves call out for us to the Shubah. They call out for us to the Shubah. Now, you know, earlier I said, I said that it's a beautiful gift, Hodesh Elul, because imagine we didn't have the Hazmana, the invitation from Hashem that he's giving us the Hodesh Elul. You know who says this? Rambam. The Ramban says this, Nachmanides. Ramban says this. He says, it's a beautiful opportunity for us to come close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, no matter how you want to come close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But the question is, how come we don't come close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Not in fear, not in simcha. We feel that he's very far away. We feel that we can't connect to him because we don't believe deep down that he'll be able to help us. We don't believe deep down that Hashem is... I said earlier, a lot of people, and I've heard from a lot of people say, Hashem is just waiting to zap me. Hashem doesn't love me. Hashem... I, I won't say it now, I'll say it later, but there's, there's just a beautiful Tanah de Beliyahu that tells you that Hashem is waiting for you more than a father is waiting for his own son. Imagine this, you go out with your friends, two or three o'clock in the morning, your father's there on the couch waiting for you, waiting for you. I've been waiting for you ever since you left. Why don't you call me? Why don't you tell me everything is okay? Shoot me a message. I'm here waiting for you. So Tanadabilia, who says more than a father is waiting for his son to come back home, Hashem is waiting for us to come back to him to do Teshubah. No matter how you want to connect to him, with fear, with trepidation, with awe, with simcha, it doesn't matter. And Hashem is not looking to punish us. You know what Hodesh Elul is? Hodesh Elul is a speeding, is a speeding camera. Now, maybe in New York they set up all the speeding cameras because they want to make money. But the, the incentive of the speeding camera is for you to slow down because they want you to slow down not to get into accidents. That's Hodesh Elul. Hodesh Elul is a speeding camera. Hashem is saying you're going too fast. You're not thinking. You're not doing accounting of the soul. You're not doing Hashbun and Nefesh. I want you to slow down. That's what Hodesh Elul is. It's not because he wants to get you. It's not because he hates you. It's not because he wants to zap you. Hodesh Elul is a Speeding camera. I'm just telling you, slow down from your fast-paced life. So again, should be should you be afraid of Hashem in Hadash Elul? Should you be happy that Hashem gave you that matana? However, you want to take it, as long as you choose one road. You have to choose one road, and whatever road suits you best, that's the road you should choose. I can't tell you what road you should choose. I personally, I personally, like I said earlier, I'd like to go to the road that Hashem is waiting besimcha. You know, the Benish Hai gives a mashal. The Benish Hai says, there was once a person that uh, saw his friend on Shabbat. And he says, why don't we go to my rabbi's speech? He says, no, no, no. I know all your rabbis are the same thing. All the rabbis talk about Gehinam. All the rabbis talk about the day of uh, judgment. I, I'm not interested. He says, no, my rabbi is different. My rabbi is very different. My rabbi talks about lollipops. He talks about candy. He talks about Yisratob. He talks about everything's going to be good. About heaven. About everything's bliss. You know what? I'll try it. So they go to the rabbi's speech, and the rabbi says, Look, you could do what you want in life. 
No, no problem. You could wear what you want in life. You could go to the fanciest restaurants, to the fanciest vacations. So now this friend is hearing that he's telling his friend, this is the rabbi that I want to go to. This is the one. So see, I told you my rabbi is good. But the rabbi ended off his speech by saying this. But don't forget that there's going to be a day where Hashem is going to take you in judgment for everything that you chose to do in your life. So his friend tells him, I don't understand. He just told me I'm able to live the life that I want to live, to enjoy my life, to have a good time. And then he's telling me that Hashem is going to enact judgment for whatever way I chose. He says, it's very simple. If you go to the fanciest restaurants, if you spend so much money on the fanciest restaurants, Hashem is going to say, look, I want to ask you one question. How much was that bill at the restaurant? $100, $200? Did you spend the same amount of money on a piece of matzo when it came to matzot, when it came to Pesach? Or when you spent that $200, $300, $400, whatever it is, on that fancy shirt or that fancy tie or that fancy suit, did you spend the same amount for a new talit? Did you check the tefillin? Did you get a new tefillin? So again, Hashem is not looking to punish us. Hashem is just equating what we choose to do in life, equating it, comparing it to how we want to worship Him. Don't live your life one way and then has, expect Hashem to, to, to treat you a different way. However you want to treat your life, meaning however you want to live your life, Hashem says, if that's the road that you chose, I'll choose that road to, to walk you with. Whatever road you chose to live in your life, that's the road that I'll choose to, to live with you, to, or to work with you. Very powerful, oh. Rabbi. Very powerful. Oh. Okay, it's very long, I guess. Very, very powerful. You'll continue just in a minute. <laughs> the question came in from, from a woman. Um, I find as a, as a woman, um, between the children and work and preparing for the practical aspects of Yom Tov, I always find myself very unprepared to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. If you have any practical ideas for the women that are busy, and I would say practical ideas for everyone, especially for beginners, everybody's listening, you know, where do they start? Where can somebody start small for those who don't have time and they should feel that when Rosh Hashanah comes and Yom Kippur comes, they feel, wow, I'm prepared. Okay, so it's always a good idea to start small. We should never take upon ourselves big tasks. First of all, before we answer this question, um, what I give, uh, we have to empower the women, of course, because they, they're doing a tremendous job and can't do anything without them, of course. And we give a big hazaku baruch, as we say, or shkoyach to the women. Thank you so much. And, you know, I don't think this, this question only applies to women. It applies to everybody. Because... You know, it all relates. As we said, we, we, where do we start in Hadash Elul? Like I said, it's never a bad idea to start small. I'll tell you, the Menorat Ma'or brings that there was a person that used to love learning Masechet Hagiga. That's the Masechet. He loved to learn all of Shas, but he loved to learn Masechet Hagiga. That's the Masechet that he felt connected with. And at his Levayat, his funeral, he didn't have any family, so nobody came to eulogize him. There was one lady that was walking around and saying he was such a good person. He bowed mitzvot, bowed such a wonderful person. And they asked her, you know, how do you know him? She said, I don't know him. She said, what's your name? She said, my name is Hagiga, which means from the mitzvah of learning Masechet Hagiga his whole life, he was able to create a malach that went in front of him called Masechet Hagiga. 
excuse me. So small, Hashem is looking for, for our, our, Hashem is looking for our small deeds. I'll tell you what happened in, in Halab. Halab is Aleppo. No, Syria has many cities. I personally come from Damascus, but Halab is Aleppo. In the time of Rab Shlomo Laniado, there was a Moser, which means a person that used to go and uh, speak Lashonara to the government about the Jews, about their taxes, about their business transactions. And people had a very hard time from him. Come one day and he, he died, he passed away. And Baruch Hashem, there was a Revach Vehatzalah. There was a moment of relaxation that we're able to breathe. We don't have anybody down our shoulders, breathing down our backs. But a few years later, there was another person that came and he was even worse than the first person. And he used to go and tell the, the government everything. And people really have had a very hard time from him. And one Jew came over to the rabbi and said, Rabbi, I can't do it. I, I really can't do it. He's, he's taking all my money. He's going to the government. I, I, I can't live. I can't survive. So the rabbi calls this Mossad. He says, come over to me. I don't understand you. Don't you know how much, how much we suffered under the ruling of the first one? Now you want to be even worse than him? The Rasha that died a few years back, you know how wicked he was? Don't you understand how much we suffered under him? Now you want to do the same thing? It's okay, Rabbi, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I won't do it anymore. The rabbi goes to sleep. Rabbi goes to sleep. And who comes to him in this dream? The guy that passed away a few years back. He says, Rabbi, how dare you call me a rasha? Oh, the rabbi got startled. What, what do you mean? He says, how dare you call me a rasha? So the rabbi woke up. He says, ah, dreams don't mean anything. He went back to sleep. He came back over to him. He says, how dare you call me a rasha? So the rabbi is telling him in the dream, he said, I, I, I don't know, you, your actions, you used to lynch to the government, I don't understand, you were a rasha. He says, you know what I did? I saw that there was a Yehudi one time who was married and he had eight children. And he didn't have any money. He came over to me and he said, please, can you help me? So I said, I don't know, I, I don't know how to help you. The only thing I know is maybe to get you a job in the government because I'm very close to the government. I got him a job in the government. And Rabbi, I was able to save him, his wife, and eight souls. And you're calling me a rasha. Do you know in Shemaim, in the heavens, how much reward they're giving me for that small act of good that I'm doing? You know how much reward they're giving me in Shemaim? And you're calling me rasha. Till the next day, the rabbi woke up. The next day, he got 10 men to go to his, to his graveside. He went to his grave and he asked him for forgiveness. A small act goes such a long way. The Sefer, the Sefer Me'id Sadaqah of Rabbi Eliyahu Kohen of Izmir of Turkey. He says there was a rasha on his deathbed. I mean, this person transgressed every, every sin un, under, the, under the sun, every sin in the book. But before he passed away, there was a person that was knocking on his window and he says, please give me something to eat. And he had one egg and he gave him that egg and he died. He came over to his family in the dream and he says, you know what level they put me in Gan Eden for that small egg that I gave that person? So for that small egg, that for, for that small egg that I gave that person and look at the level they're giving me in, in Gan Eden. You know how much reward they give you if you really invest time in whatever you're doing? There's a story in Masihat Abu Dazara of Rabbi Al-Azab bin Durdaya. Rabbi Al-Azab bin Durdaya was a person that he wasn't such a, such a good person and he, he committed a lot of sins. And finally he went, he saw a lady who wanted to, to commit a sin with her. Long story short, he comes out and she says, you know, just like you're with me and you can transgress, you won't have a portion of the world to come. He goes out and he's crying and he's very, he's in pain. He says, I don't have a, a share in the world to come. I don't have a portion. 
He says, heavens, please beseech Hashem for me. They say, no. Please, mountains, please request for Hashem to forgive me. They say, no. He finally puts his head uh, in between his legs and he cries so much and he passes away. So the Biudah Nasi hears a voice that comes out from Shamayim that says, now he wasn't called a Rebi. He was a wicked person. But because he passed away of Teshubah, a small act before he passed away, a heavenly voice came and said, you have a portion in the world to come. So Rebi was crying. He says, Yesh there's a person that's able to buy his ulama ba in a split second and a person that works his whole life and is not able to get ulama ba. And the rabbis ask, why is Rabbi Udahanasi crying? Why is he crying? I mean, this person has a portion of the world to come. Why is he crying? Because we know what Rabbi Udahanasi is telling us. If in a split second, this person was able to get ulama ba by not doing anything, what did he do? He did Teshubah with a split second with a small act. He says, imagine if you work on yourself, even small acts in your life, if you become a better person, if you, if you take on yourself things, imagine the reward that they're giving you in Shamayim, even a higher level than the Bil Azab bin Durde. For a small act, they gave him this portion of the world to come. Imagine how much they give you if you really work on yourself. And I just want to say one more, one more, uh, Mashal. The I, I I um I'm trying to remember I'm trying to remember the mashal that I gave that I gave once um yeah the Benish High the Benish High they asked him they asked him you know how did you become the Benish High how did you become the great illustrious Rabbi Yosef Hayim of Baghdad so he did like this to them he said what is it what does that mean this he says, all it takes is snapping of the fingers. They said, what does that mean? Instant rabbi? How do you become a snapping of fingers of Benish High? He says, because when people, how long does it take to do to snap your fingers? A few seconds? When people were wasting those few seconds of life, I was hopping another Mishnah. I was learning another Vort. I was learning another, another Daf of Gemara. It all takes small acts of simple people. I once gave a class by BJX here in Brooklyn for Shavasa Betamuz. And the whole class was revolved around how you could change your life with one small action. I even told them I have a book, Rabbi Nachman Salser, a book says one small deed can change the world. Oh, that's all it takes. It's one small deed. And I told them the story. The story is not in his, in his book, but I, it's, in, it's in a different book. It's in uh, Small Miracles. So I apologize for anybody that heard the story before, but I'll tell you again, because I forgot it and I had to review it myself. So I'm sure everybody that heard it already probably forgot themselves. So he says, there's a story in, in Small Miracles, there was a story of a person that was speeding on the highway. He was, he was stopped by the cop. He was stopped by the police and the police said, why are you speeding? Where, where are you going? Why are you speeding? So I'll tell you the truth. I really got to go to the restroom. I really have to go to the restroom. That's why I'm speeding. So the cop, so, you know, you look like you're genuine, you're genuine. I hear the sincerity in your voice. Okay, I'll let you go, but I have to follow you. I have to follow you to make sure you know that you really have to go to the bathroom because otherwise I'm going to give you a ticket. He says, but where, where am I going to go, uh, your officer? He says, I see there's a light all the way back there. Let's go over there. Maybe there's a restroom over there. Sure enough, they go over there. There is a light over there and turns out to be a funeral home. They go over there. 
and the cop is following this guy. He wants to go to the restroom. They say, oh, wait, 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 wait. By the front desk, they say, wait, you have to sign your name. So, oh, I really have to use the restroom. What am I signing my name for? He says, look, you have to sign your name. Okay, he signs his name. He goes and uses the restroom. He leaves. The cop doesn't give him the ticket. Very well. A few months later, a few months pass, and he gets a call from his lawyer, this person that went to the restroom. He gets a call from the lawyer, and he says, can you see me in my office in the city in uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon? He says, yeah, what, what is this in regards to? He says, remember a few months back, he went to the restroom, the funeral home? Okay, I have no idea. I, you're not allowed to go to the restroom? Okay. So he goes to him, he, he goes to the meeting. He says, I just want to tell you, congratulations. You are now the proud owner of, uh, of uh, one of the richest estates in, in New York. So what are you talking about? He says, remember a few months back you went to the funeral home and you signed your name over there? He says, yeah, I found it very peculiar that they made me sign my name by the funeral home. He says, well, guess what? The person that died that day, his family hated his guts. He didn't want to give one penny of his estate to any one of his family. But he said, my, my, my money has to go someplace. He said, whoever comes to my funeral and comes to my funeral. And how do we know that it comes to, comes to my funeral? If he signs his name in the book, I guess they have a book over there. That shows that he really came. That shows that he was really sincere, that he came to pay his last respects. All the money goes to him. So you know what? All the money goes to you. <laughs> so the small miracle says, imagine that. The person unintentionally, he's just signing his name, but with a small act. With a small act, look what happened. He was the richest person. Rabil Azab bin Durdaya. He was able to get his whole alam about with a small act, with a snapping of the finger. When people don't value it, don't value the time that they have. They squander. They spend so much time that with a small time, they were able. They're able to do such great things. So the question that you asked, very busy in Hadish Elul, taking care of the kids, Baruch Hashem, and we give you a lot of credit. We give you a lot of Hazak Baruch, but. You have to find time. Again, it's the small acts that go a very long way. I just want to add, it's, it's interesting when people say they don't feel um, ready. The question is, what would it look like? What would you feel if you felt ready? It's always like start with the goal, with the end in, in mind. What does the person want to feel on Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, right? Many people don't even know what they want to feel. They just want to be prepared, and every time they get there, they think, hey, I'm not prepared. But I'm saying, even if you start something small, like, you know, you write, you're going to do one deed every day, write it down on a piece of paper, and when you get to Rosh Hashanah, come to Shul with that piece of paper and say, here I am. This Here's is what I did. I'm prepared. Yep. But we, all, we always have to know, what are you, what are you looking for? And, the, you know, some people might, uh, um, the, the critical mind might say, yeah, so what's the big deal? You know, you have to be aware of that, too. But whatever you do, you know, write it down, put it in your box. And when you come Rosh Hashanah, you're prepared. Yes, yes. Okay, Rabbi, let's, we have a lot of questions. Let's, let's try to put a little speed on this. Um, let's go to another live question. And we have a lot more to cover. Go, oh, you're on. Oh, me? Yep, you. Okay. <laughs> um, sort of even ties in with Coach Benach just said. Um, I find that my problem is maybe a lack of focus. I'm not even sure what to ask, you know, there's so much to ask for, or think about over animals, like, it's like a, it's almost like a hierarchy of um, needs, or, you know, of, um, which is, I mean, I, it would be trivial to even ask for physical things, versus spiritual, um, or if I don't talk about more Torah observance, is that maybe more like mitzvahs than uh, uh, 
I don't know how the relevance of the event I've ever been called, you know, which would be more important, which should. So these are the things that I'm, I'm not sure what to focus on or what, you know, maybe should take precedence. But do you have any advice on that? Are you asking me or are you asking Coach Menachem? I'm asking you. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no problem. No problem. No problem. Everybody, no problem. I'm asking, but I yeah, guess no it's you. you're representing. You, you yeah. know, you, you know, it's it's funny that you ask that question because I gave a class yesterday in shul and I actually have my notes. I just want to read you what I wrote in my notes. Oh, wow. Rav Nachman of Breslov says that you have to ask Hakadosh Baruch Hu, You have to ask Hashem even for shoelaces, because if you don't ask Hashem for shoelaces, you're making Hashem small. You're saying Hashem is very lofty, is up there in heaven. He doesn't even care about my shoelaces. I have bigger things, like you said. Maybe I should ask for spiritual things. Maybe I should ask to come close to Hashem. Hashem wants you to ask Him for whatever you want, because when you don't, you're making Hashem small. I said yesterday in the class, that's the meaning of tamim We read a pasuk, a verse yesterday in the parsha that you have to be straight with Hashem. Straight with Hashem means tell Him what you want. Don't, don't beat around the bush. I need money because I want to become a better person, because I want to daven better, because I want to learn better. No. You want money because you want money, because you need this, because you need to buy the car, because you need to buy the house, because you want to pay tuition. Be straight with Hashem. That's what it means. Don't underestimate the power that Hashem wants. And go to Hashem straight for whatever you want. You know, there's a mashah, there's a story of the Baron Rothschild. The Baron Rothschild was known, you know, very big philanthropist, very wealthy individual. And there was a person that heard about him and he wanted to go to him because he was, he fell in hard times. He said, maybe I could go to him, maybe he could help me. He left his town. He made way to him. And he says, look, you're Baron, you're sir. Uh, I, I, you have to help me. I don't have any money. You're the only one I turn to. Please help me. He says, you know what? I see you very genuine, very sincere. Here's a check for $10,000. Now, $10,000 back then is a lot of money. Now, this person takes it. He's very happy. He comes home. He tells his wife. What does the wife do the first thing? She tells the neighbor. The neighbor, the neighbor says to her husband, you know, he went. He got $10,000. Maybe you go. Maybe you could get more. And embellish his story a little bit. You know, throw lies here and there. He says, we, we need more money than him. Why not? He says, you know what? It's a good idea. But it takes me three days to get to wherever the, the, the Baron Rothschild is. Well, I'm going to go from here three days, not asking any money from people in, in the area. Let me go before I get to him. Let me ask this one and this one and that one. And then I'll get to him and then I'll ask him for the big bucks. So he goes to this guy. Every town he stops, $5, $10, $5, $10. Finally gets the Baron Rothschild. He says, please, you got to help me out. I need a lot of money. Can you please help me? He says, no problem. I heard about you. I see that you're very genuine. I'll be right back. He goes to his office. He comes back. He writes him a check for $5. He said, I don't understand. My friend came to you three months earlier and you gave him a check for $10,000. You're giving me $5 only? Why? He says, because your friend came to me direct. Your friend knew that he could only rely on me. But you, you said, yeah, I'll rely on him. But I'll rely on the other one. And rely on the other one, you ask from this guy $5 and from that guy $5. So you know what? You consider me like the rest of them. So I'll give you also $5. That's what it is when it comes to Hashem. Hashem says, if you come to me direct, I'll give you whatever you want direct. But if you're going to everybody else, if you're relying on everybody else, so I'll treat you like, like everybody else. So that's what it means. Tamim Mashem. Whatever you want to ask for, ask. Whether it's spiritual, whether it's physical, just understand that don't make Hashem small. Hashem could give you whatever you want. All He needs from you is to ask of Him. 
Hey, Rabbi, let's jump into this question. We got a few different versions of it, but I'm going to ask it very general. Unfortunately, in some areas of my life, I'm very far from Hashem currently. And I don't think he will forgive me so quickly. So I really don't feel ill. Give me some advice. Can you ask the question again? Unfortunately, in some areas in my life, I am very far from Hashem currently. And I don't think he will forgive me. So I really don't feel ill. Please give me advice. The question is, I don't feel that Hashem will forgive me. Yep, because I'm. It sounds like he's not, he's not in a good place right now with his uh, Judaism. Well, just the fact that he's saying, uh, "I don't feel that Hashem will forgive me," is a good indication that he believes in Hashem, right? That's that's number one. Um, I don't feel that Hashem will forgive me. Well, we have to understand something. Maybe now is the time. Now is the time to say it. But there's a mashal that the Magid of Dubna brings. Right, let's clarify the question. Person coming out, he's doing. He's trying to learn better. He's trying to better himself. But a person who's currently doing something bad and not no, he knows that he's he knows Hashem. This, but he's in a bad gambling. Whatever he's doing, he knows he's doing bad things. So how's it coming out? How can he feel it? He's in a rut. So okay, no problem. So your question is, how does he feel? Elo is going to forgive him, even though he's doing all the bad things that he's doing. Okay, no problem. So here's what I want to tell you: the Magid of Dubna brings a mashal from the pasuk in Isaiah and Ishayahu, Lo oti ki gagata which means, "I'm not your God because you feel that all the commandments that I'm giving you are a burden on you." He brings a very easy, very simple example: a mashal that is. A person went to a hotel once and he went with his luggage and he put it down there for the bellboy and he wanted to check into his room. He goes and checks into his room. He sees that the bellboy comes up and he's sweating and he's panting and he's saying, here's your luggages. He goes, what are you talking about? My luggages are not heavy. You must be have somebody else's luggages. Oh, I'm so sorry. I took somebody else's luggages. That's a very simple example of Mashal of the Megid Bumna. The Megid Bumna says, the lesson is the mitzvot or the Torah or Judaism is supposed to be light on you. If you feel that it's a burden on you or it's a task on you, or like we said earlier, Hashem is there to get you and Hashem doesn't love you. That's not the right religion for you, that you're in. Meaning that's not Yehadut. So if this person, even, yeah, even if this person's doing wrong, even if this person is doing Aberot, doesn't mean that Hashem doesn't love him. Doesn't mean that Hashem doesn't want him. What did I quote earlier? The Tanada Biliyahu says that Hashem is waiting for him more than a father is waiting for a son. You know what Rabbi Chaim Palachi says? Rabbi Chaim Palachi of Turkey says, every time he reads this Tanada Biliyahu, this Midrash, he starts crying. He says, he says, look at this. With all our sins and everything that we transgressed, and every time we go far away from Hashem, Hashem still wants us. That's, that's something unbelievable. That's the power of Teshuvah. So even with all the, the times that he did bad, all the times that he feels that he's very far from Hashem, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what, to, I, mean, I, I honestly don't even know what to say because that's the power of Teshuvah. If, if you really want, want to come close to Hashem, you have to tap into the power of Teshuvah. Powerful. Let's go to the next question over here. I know we're supposed to forgive others and Hashem forgives us, especially before Rosh Hashanah. But I have some people in my life that are constantly harming me. 
What do I do about that? They're just going to continue. How do I honestly forgive them when I know after comes Rosh Hashanah, this is going to continue? Right. So it's very easy for me to give you the schmooze about, you know, it's not them. It's Hashem giving me the messenger and making them as a messenger. Like, like the Gemara says in the end of days, in our days, the which means the generation is going to be like a dog. What does that mean? It means that when a dog, when his master, when his owner throws the stick or throws him the bone, he goes and chases after the stick, where really he's a chase after the owner. But that's what's going to be in the end of days. Everything that's going to happen to us, we're going to blame the person that sent it to us or the person that harmed us without realizing that it's the owner that sent it to us. It was Hashem that sent it to us. David Melech had a very hard time. David Melech, his father-in-law wanted to kill him. His own son wanted to kill him. The Jewish people wanted to kill him. His wife even hated him. One of his wives hated him. But David Melech was one time running away from his son Abshalom. And he was greeted by this person called Shimei ben Gera. Shimei ben Gera cursed David Melech a horrible, excuse me, a horrible curse. And the people of David Melech, his soldiers, wanted to kill him. Mored Bamachut, you're revolting against the king. So David Melech tells him a very famous line. He says, Hanahulo. Leave him. Hashem Amar Lo Kalel. Hashem is the one that sent, that put the curse in his mouth to curse me. Which means David the Melech understood that it's not the people that are harming me in my life. It's not the people that are giving me troubles. It's not the people that are giving me heartache. It's Hashem waking me up. It's Hashem sending me the message for Hashem to wake, to, 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 for, Hashem, for Hashem to tell me that we have to, have to change something in my life. So, other people going to stop? Are people in the world going to stop hurting us? Of course not. But does it, does it make any sense for us to hold grudges? Holding grudges in life is the worst thing that we could do because it kills us. I mean, Coach Menachem could tell you better, but it kills us physically. It kills us spiritually. There was a story in Israel. There was a story in Israel with a, with a bus driver with a bus driver that took a uh, Russian tourist with him on the bus. And you know, in Edisail, how the highways are, they're very curvy in one lane, yes, one lane, no, and the other lane is, is a cliff. So as he was driving on the highway on this bus, he was driving this bus, a person cuts him off. So now this bus driver, he can't have a person cut him off, right? So he has to try to cut him off. So they're both trying to cut off each other. What happens? The bus made a wrong turn. He went all the way down the cliff. 25 people on the bus died. He miraculously survived. So when they asked him, you know, what got into you? So the person cuts you off, what got into you? He says, I can't. It's a principle. The guy cuts me off. I, I can't. See, and they gave the guy eight years in prison and 25 people died. That's what happens when we hold the grudge. It's the principle of the things. I said this once. It's the principle of the things. So a person cuts you off. So what? You're holding a grudge. You know what the grudge does to you in life? Rabbi Steinman used to say, I've grown old and I never saw a person that lets go, that forgives people. He never loses out. If we hold grudges, they're going to be people. And I'll tell you personal stories if you want. Yes, people bother us. People burn us, as they call it. People hurt us. But it, it, it does us no good if we hold grudges in our life. Yosef, look what happened to Yosef. His brother sell, sell, sell him. He's 17 years old. He's without his father for 22 years. Does he hold a grudge? Of course not. He gives his, his 
uh, his brother's food. He brings them to Misraim. He puts them in Goshen. He learns how to forgive them. Yosef is mevateh. Racheli menu. Yaakov Abinu takes Leah, her sister. Not only does she forgive her sister Leah, she gives us the simanim. She gives us the signs. She goes with Yaakov, the one destined for her because she knew how to forgive. So if we only know how to not hold grudges and forgive, life will be so much easier. Even when people are paining us, even when people are hurting us, life would be so much easier. But that's, that's probably a madrega. Of course. To get, to get there. Of course. So but we have to start somewhere. Yeah, very good. Um, there's an interesting question from uh, a chassid. I'm a chassid and we dance in Elul, he says. Is it that we are oblivious? He's, it sounds like he's not sure if he's doing the right thing. What type of chassid? <laughs> he's not, not telling not, he right which chassid he is. So I'll tell you. I tell you, there's a story with Rab Uri of Strelik, the Saraf of Strelik. Um, he, owned a, he owned a hotel, him and his wife. And uh, a person came, he wanted to check in at the hotel. And uh, the person came and he checked all his money and he gave the wallet over there to put it in a safe. And he goes in and he says, he says to the wife, why are they screaming over here? Why can't they just dive in regularly? Why are they screaming? She didn't answer him, but she was a very smart lady. You know what she did? She took the wallet and she hid it. Came time for him to leave, to go back to his town. He says, okay, can I have my belongings? Can I have my wallet? She says, I'm sorry, somebody told your wallet. Somebody stole my wallet. He starts screaming. Somebody stole my wallet. You're not responsible here in a hotel. Why, why, why are you doing this? Why don't you manage your hotel better? She says, hey, calm down. Why are you screaming? He says, I'm screaming because it hurts me. They say, oh, now you understand why these Hasidim scream. Because it hurts them. They want to connect to Hashem. That's the way of the connecting to Hashem. If they connect, they connect to Hashem better by screaming to Hashem. That's the way to, they connect to Hashem because it hurts them. That's one story. There's another story of Rabbi Haron of Karlin, Haron. Um, a person came over to him and he says, look, I know over here, you know, uh, you're very quiet when you daven, but by Mama Chasidut, I scream out. He says, look, okay, I, look, I'm telling you over here, we daven quietly. I'm telling you not to scream out. Fine you know, dance or sing or scream out. He's davening and all of a sudden he has his outburst and he starts screaming and he starts dancing and clapping his hands. Rabbi Haron of Kalin is quiet. He comes over to him and says, I'm Rabbi, Rabbi, I'm really sorry. I don't know what got into me. He says, it's fine. No problem. He says, what do you mean? No problem. You, just, you warned me before not to scream out, not to dance, not to clap, not to stop my feet. He says, if it comes naturally, I'm okay with it. But if you're trying to copy other people, if you're trying to, you know, do what everybody else is doing, if it's not sincere, it's not genuine, that I can't have. So if this chassidut, again, if that's the way to connect to Hashem, okay, so be it. If that's the way they know how to connect that they created in Shemaim, to Abinu Shemaim, okay, so why not? We connect to Hashem differently. Sephardim are not like the Ashkenazim. We have a whole month of Salihot. I don't know how many days you guys have. Maybe you have, you tell me, a week or the Mosheh Shabbat before. I don't know. Does that mean that you're doing something wrong? We're doing something wrong? No. We connect to Hashem differently. Everybody connects to Hashem differently. So you want to sing on Rosh Hashanah, you want to clap your hands, you want to go to whatever country you want to go because that's what makes you connect to Hashem. Who am I to tell you that you're doing something wrong? Who's anybody else to tell you that you're doing something wrong? Probably that was powerful. Um, I have two more questions over here. There's a few people texting my next slide, but let's, let's cover these two, okay? And then we'll go to closing. Um, 
It's a more general question, but I think it's great. How does how does tshuva clean a person from sin? What does it actually does, does the tshuva do? Is it a magic power? Or is it just words? How could words nullify a wrong action? So let's start off by answering the latter part. How do words nullify an action? So the Benish Chai brings in his Dirasha for Shabbat Shuva, he brings the words of Tachida. He, he asks the same question. He says, how do mere words nullify an actual action? I, I went and I stole, or I went and I did something wrong. How could me saying Vidui or Anna, you know, nullify that action? He says, Tachida says, because we're all good. Right, we're really very good. We have that pintaliyid, we have that part of our neshama that nobody could touch. We're really good. But sometimes we have something called the kilipa. So the kilipa in Kabbalistic terms, who might understand Kabbalistic terms, but in Kabbalistic terms, kilipa is a peel. For example, you don't eat the banana, you have to peel it and then you eat the banana. We're not monkeys, so we don't eat the peel, right? So you have to peel it and then eat the banana. But this kilipa stops you from actually eating the, the banana, this peel stops you from eating the banana. He says the same thing with the kilipot in the world. The abelot, every time we do an avera, every time we transgress, we're malbish, we enclose our neshama with a kilipa. Our neshama is holy, but we sometimes we put a kilipa. Every time we say vidui, every time we say anna, every time we come close to Hashem, every time we ask Hashem to forgive us, we are actually taking off another peel from our neshama. It's stuff with only the neshama. So he says, the Hida says, yes, our words are actually causing an action. What's the action? We're actually taking the peel off our neshama. So it's not words to nullify an action. It's actually an action to nullify an action. That's what the Hida says. But how does teshuva work? So there's the mashpia, uh, Rab, Rab Mendel of, uh, of Patrops. He was once running away from the KGB or whatever you know, the mafia was back in the day. And he hid by a person's house. And in this person's house, they had a child that was very sick. And the doctors prescribed him certain medications. And the mother was very meticulous to put this kind of cream and to give him this kind of dosage. And she never got it wrong. But one day, the mother messed up. She gave him more than needed or she missed the dosage. And the child was, was very, very sick. And Reverend Mendel, he, he saw the mother pacing back and forth in the room saying, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? What did I do? And that's what we, she was saying for 10 minutes. All of a sudden he sees her, she stops and she says, what do I do now? What do I do now? What do I do now? Baruch Hashem, the child, nothing happened to him. He was healed. But he said, I learned what it means to do Teshuvah from that story. Don't say, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? Ask, what do I do now? That's what Teshuvah is. Don't dwell on what happened on the past. See what how you could fix the future. Teshuvah is Tashuv Hey. Come back to your original self. Come back to the Neshama. Come back to yourself. Don't ask, what did I do? Ask, how could I fix it now? That's the power of Teshuvah. Yesterday we read. Yesterday we read Shofetim. How long do I have for this answer, by the way? Um, good, you're good, don't worry. No, because it's a very long answer. Okay? Go, go, go. So, fine. So yesterday we read, Shofetim v'shoterim titen lecha. You should put judges and watchmen and police officers lecha for yourself. So the obvious question is, what do you mean for yourself, titen lecha? Of course it's for me. Who else? So the rabbis answer that you know how to connect to Hashem in your own way. Put officers and judges not in your, in your gates, Put them on your neshama. Connect to Hashem in your own neshama. 
And the rabbis bring the Gemara, Masechet Baba Metziada, Peh Gimel. Rabbi Al-Azhar, the son of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, he once, uh, saw, uh, he once saw a police officer and he asked him a question. He says, you're stopping people left and right. How do you know? Maybe they're really innocent. You're giving everybody tickets. You're taking them to jail. You, 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 you. How do you know they're really, maybe they're really Sadiqim? He says, Rabbi, what am I going to tell you? This is my job. I just collect everybody. He says, look, I'll give you a patent. I'll give you a very easy way to, under, to, to differentiate or to know who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. You go to the tavern in the morning, in the four hours in the morning, you go to the tavern and you see everybody's doing the same thing. Everybody's holding their glass of wine or their glass of liquor and drinking. And you see people dozing off. You come to the first person, you ask him, what do you do for a living? He says, listen, I, I learn in yeshiva all day. Oh, that's why you're dozing off because you've had a very hard night. You're learning the whole night. That's why you're dozing off. Okay, no problem. You come to the second guy. What do you do for a living? What do you mean? I work in the night. Oh, that's why. That's why you're dozing off. That's why. Because you, you work late in the night. If one guy tells you it's none of your business, mind your own business, that's the guy that's a robber. That's the guy that steals people's homes in the night. And that's the guy that you should find. That's the guy that you should put in prison. That's how you differentiate between the good guys and the bad guys. He says, wow, that's, a, that's an unbelievable idea. Who got word of this? The king. The king said, I have a rabbi in this town that knows how to differentiate between the good guys and the bad guys. And I'm hiring people off the street. The rabbi will be the one in charge. And he was really, that's what, that's Rabbi Azar. Rabbi Azar and the son of Rabbi Shimon, that's what he used to do. He used to take people and put them in prison. So one day, Rabbi Yoshua ben Korha, the rabbi of Rabbi Azar ben Rabbi Shimon, he tells him, excuse me, what are you doing? You're taking Jewish people and you're handing them over to the government? How dare you? Now, the rabbi is able to speak to his students like that. So you know what Rabbi Al-Azhar answers him? He says, I'm weeding away the thorns from the vineyard. So you know what he answers him? Rabbi Yeshua ben Korahai. He says, let the person that owns the vineyard do his own weeding, do his own plucking, meaning let Hashem do his job. Why are you doing it? Rabbi Al-Azhar doesn't answer him anything. A few months later, he continues his job. Another person comes over to him. He says, what are you doing? Why are you taking Jewish people and giving them to the government? He says, wow, this guy's telling me the same thing my rabbi did. Must be that this guy, he's up to no good. My, my, my rabbi, I can't say anything to him, but must be this guy is no good. He tells his henchmen, take him, take him to prison. He's an evil person. So they say, rabbi, how do you know he's really evil? Just take him to prison. A few minutes later, Rabbi Al-Azhar remorses. He's regretful. He says, you know what? Maybe he's a really good guy. Let me go over to him to the prison. Maybe I could put him. Maybe I could take him out of prison with, with money. He goes over to him. It's too late. They take him on the gallows. They're about to hang him. He says, no, please, please. I, I'm sorry. I regret it. Maybe he's really a good guy. Too late. They hang him. So they tell him, Rabbi, no, no, no. Don't be worried. Don't be regretful. Him and his father did a very evil act with a lady on Yom Kippur. He deserves to die. So Rabbi Al-Azhar, you know what he says? He says, ah. From Shamaim, they helped me weed away the thorns from the vineyard of Am Yisrael. From Shamaim, they helped me weed away the bad people of Am Yisrael. You know what Teshubah is? Teshubah is weeding away or taking away, plucking away the thorns from your neshama. Your neshama is good, but we said earlier we have a kilipah on top of it. We have these thorns. Imagine coming to your wife on Friday before Shabbos, before Shabbat, telling her, honey, here's beautiful roses but they have weeds around them or they have thorns around them. Would anybody give his wife 
roses with thorns? Of course not. You have to pluck away the thorns before you give your wife the beautiful flowers. You know what Teshuvah is? Teshuvah is Hashem taking away these thorns that encircle or entrap our neshama, our beautiful vineyard. Hashem is taking it away. Hashem is plucking it away. That's what it means, Teshuvah. Hashem is cleaning it. And that's what the Pasuk says, Titen Lecha, you should give for yourself. Watchmen and police officers and judges in your own. I can't tell you how to fix yourself. You know, my biggest pet peeve was in the Corona period. People assume Corona came because of this and we have to fix this. And this is why Corona came. Nobody knows. Everybody connects to Hashem in their own way. What works for you won't work for me. I don't know what you have to fix. That's, it really bothered me. Oh, it happened because we have to fix this. I don't, you can't tell me what I have to fix. I could tell myself what I have to fix. So Teshuvah is looking deep down inside yourself, cleaning those thorns, plugging away those thorns from your beautiful, from your beautiful uh, vineyard or your beautiful rose and coming back to Hashem. You know what the Zohar HaKadosh says? I didn't count it, but the Zohar says every rose has 13 petals. Why does every rose have 13 petals? He says because it's 13 attributes of mercy. 13 attributes of mercy correspond to the 13 attributes, uh, to the 13 petals on the rose. He says, you know, you have a beautiful rose, which is your neshama. It has those 13 petals, those 13 attributes of mercy. Connect to Hashem with those 13 attributes of mercy. And with this, we can understand what the Pasuk and Song of Songs says. I am to my beloved, and my beloved is to me. The acronym is Elul. The one who goes down to the vineyards and plucks out the roses. Why? Why does my beloved pluck out the roses? Because he takes the rose, he inspects the rose, he takes away the thorns from the rose and gives it to me as a beautiful rose. That's what the Teshubah is. Teshubah is Hashem cleaning our neshama as if we didn't do anything. Teshubah is the letters Tashub. Hey, like we said, come back to your original self. Come back to the self that Hashem created you. Take away those thorns and give us that beautiful rose at the end of the day. Okay, amazing. Um, okay, I think I have, okay. We have one live now, and then I have one more, and then we're going to go to closing. You're on, go. Hi, am I on? You are. Okay, thank you. Um, so my question is, I'm sorry, I haven't been following for like I heard the beginning, but I didn't follow. Um, I said something come up, but I apologize, but I'm very grateful to be able to ask the question. I was wondering if I can't fast on Yom Kippur for health reasons and davening in general is very hard for me because I feel estranged from Hashem. What could I do during Elul and Tishrei in order that I can get a kapara? Yeah, I think uh, it's a great question. I think we we addressed it in some way um, by saying you have to work on small acts to come to, close to Hashem. You have to you have to look at the you have to look at the small things. Don't take upon yourself things that you can't handle. Um, for example, thank you. Oh, that's it. You gave the answer. Okay. 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 Let's go. Let's just address one more question, and then let's go to closing. It's getting late. Okay. Okay. I got this in a lot of different versions, but uh, I think this is a great general question. My life this past year was really, really hard. I lost some people very close. Hold on one second. I lost some people very close to me, and my marriage is not doing too well on top of that. 
I really want to scream at Hashem. I'm so hurt. How could I approach this here with so much anger towards Hashem? So we know, wow. <laughs> Many different versions you said you had the question, huh? So right. we know that Eov, uh, nobody suffered more than Eov. And Eov, at the end of the day, did scream at the Hashem and did ask Hashem, Hashem, why are you doing this to me? It's not fair. I don't deserve it. And the Gemara says Hashem did not punish Eov, even though he screamed at Hashem, because the Gemara says, En Adam nitpas bish'at sarato. Hashem does not punish a person when he's screaming out of anguish. So if you feel that you have to scream out at Hashem, scream out at Hashem. There, obviously, there's a way to scream out at Hashem, right? If you feel that that's how you relieve the pain that you have inside of you, and who am I to speak about pain? But if you feel that that's the way to connect to Hashem, to relieve the pain that's inside of you, so scream out of Hashem. But you have to know what David Melech says. Whoever Hashem loves, Hashem makes him suffer more and more. And the Midrash says, what does that mean? Rabbi Al-Azhar says, if a person has two cows, one weak cow and one strong cow, who does he put all the burden on? On the strong cow, because he knows that the cow can handle it. And you hear it, of course, a lot. Hashem only gives you things that you, can't, that you can handle. He won't give you things that you can't handle. I'll tell you something personally. You know, I really don't like saying personal things, but if I give, if I, if I could give hizuk to a person, why not? I'm sure nobody, uh, we have people watching. In 2009, I lost my father in April of 2009. A few months later, after my wife and I couldn't have kids for a long time, Baruch Hashem, we had premature kids, seventh month. Twin girls, and one of them suffered a stroke in the hospital. Until this day, she's special needs because of the stroke that she had in the hospital. And let me ask you a question. You think that I didn't want to scream at Hashem? At Hashem? Or did I want to scream at Hashem? Yes. You think I wasn't angry? You think I wasn't upset? Yes. But then I said to myself, where is that going to get me? Is that going to change anything? I'm going to I'm going to be more upset every single day by screaming at Hashem and asking Hashem, it's not fair. Why do you do this to me? So I changed my attitude to something else. Let me change my attitude and say, I don't understand why Hashem gave this to me. I'll never understand why Hashem gave this to me. But let me be hazek more. Let me fortify myself or strengthen myself more in tefillah, more in emunah, more in connecting to Hashem. I, you know, I once read a story of the Rashas, the Rashas, Rabbi Shalom Shalabi. There was a person that wanted to come to him and say, Rabbi, why am I suffering so much in my life? I lost my parents, my wife. I have a very hard upbringing, very hard childhood. It's not fair. Hashem, why are you doing this to me? So he made his way to the Rashash and he had to wait in the waiting room over there. He's in the waiting room and he falls asleep and he sees in his dream, he's sleeping and he sees in his dream that he's high up there in Shamaim, the heavenly court, in Bed Din Shalmala. And it's time to, you know, it's time for them to, to judge him. And they bring sacks of all the averot, of all the avonot, of all the transgressions of the sins that he committed, and they put them on one side of the scale. And all the good deeds on the other side of the scale. Now, this person didn't have really so many good deeds. So obviously, all the sins outweighed the good deeds. And then he's looking at himself, and he's saying, oh, that's it. That means, you know, you know where he's going. All of a sudden, he hears a malach say, no, 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 no. This guy suffered a lot in his life. 
bring all the sacks of suffering and they put all the sacks of suffering on the other side and surely but surely, surely but surely, slowly but surely, the sacks that had all the sufferings on outweighed the sacks of all, were going to outweigh all the sacks of the Avonot. But what happened? They brought more Avonot and more sins and more transgressions. And the Malach was about to say, that's it. He's going to the place where we don't want to say where he's going to. And all of a sudden, this guy woke up from his dream and he said, give more suffering, bring more sacks of suffering, bring more bags of suffering, give me more sufferings. And they told him, the rabbi is ready to see you now. He says, no, 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 I don't need my rabbi. I, I, fine, I'll take all the suffering that I could get. I understand that the suffering is good for me. If we only understood how much suffering is good for us, the rabbis say, we would ask Hashem, nobody asks this, but we'd ask Hashem, Hashem, give us more suffering. Rabbi Azar ben Pedat was a very, very poor person. He was so poor that he had nothing to eat one day. He only found the clove of garlic and he ate that clove of garlic and he fainted. When he fainted, he saw in Shamaim, he saw Hashem and he asked Hashem, Hashem is not fair. Hashem, it's not fair. Why am I suffering in this world? Why am I so poor? You have so much money. Can't you give me money? Hashem says, look, if you want, I could destroy the whole world, bring back the whole world anew, and maybe your mazal will be different. Maybe you will be born in a mazal with money. But it's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed. But let me ask you a question, Hashem. Did I at least live the majority of my life which means, is there a light at the end of the tunnel very soon? Hashem says, yes. He says, you know what? Okay, I'll take all the suffering that I could get. Because if Hashem, obviously Hashem knows what's the best for us, right? And Hashem knows what he's doing. Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu. Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moshe Rabbeinu asked Hashem, Hashem, why should I go to Par'o? I stutter. Hashem, please fix my speech impediment. Fix, fix my stuttering. I don't want to go to Par'o. Hashem doesn't answer him. He says, go to Par'o anyway. I'm asking you to fix my speech impediment and you're not fixing it. It's not fair. You know what the Magid of Dubna says? He says a very easy mashal. The mashal is the king had a tailor that was very honest tailor, a Jewish tailor. But as we know, the rest of the people that work for the king, they got jealous of the tailor, of the Jewish tailor. And they told the, they told the king, this guy's stealing all your money. You're giving him $100 to make for you a suit. The suit costs $2. He's taking all the $98, pocketing all the $98. He's stealing all your money because they were jealous. So the king calls the tailor. He says, look, is it true that you're stealing all my money? This suit doesn't cost $100, only costs $2. He said, my majesty, if you really doubt me, no problem. Bring that suit that I tailored for you last week. Bring it over here. Bring it. He brings it. He says, does he have a scissor? He says, of course. He takes a scissor. The tailor takes a scissor and starts cutting the whole suit. The king says, what are you doing? He says, you want me to prove to you that the suit costs $100? The only way is to cut the suit, to take out every single string and tell you, this string I got from Italy cost me $5. This string I got from this place, it cost me $10. In the end of the day, I'll show you that all adds to $100. That's the mashallah that Magid Zubna says. That's what Hashem is telling Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe, you think I didn't know that the best thing for you in your life is a speech impediment? that you should stutter, of course, but if you really want me to prove it to you, I have to destroy the whole world, create the whole world, and maybe then you'll understand because you're coming in the middle of the movie. You're coming in the middle of the movie, it's not fair. What does the Hafez Hayim say? The Hafez Hayim says, the person comes into Shul and he hears the Chazan. Here's the cantor says, Shomer Hashem et kol ohabav ve et kol har sha'im. 
Hashem safeguards all his love, all the, his loved ones, and he safeguards all the wicked people. He says, what kind of world, what kind of world is this? Hashem loves the wicked people and the, his, the good people the same, he leaves. Another person comes in, he hears the pasuk, he hears the chazan, in the middle of the pasuk say, et kol et kol all his loved ones and all the wicked people, Hashem destroys. He says, what kind of pasuk is this? What kind of world is this? Hashem perishes, Hashem destroys the good people with the bad people. They tell him, Habibi, you know what Habibi means, right? Habibi, you don't understand. You're coming into the middle of a pasuk. You're coming into the middle of the verse. Listen to the whole verse in its entirety. Shomer Hashem et kol ohabav. Hashem, Hashem safeguards all his loved ones. The latter part is ve'et kol And the wicked people he destroys. Oh, 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 now I understand. Of course now you understand because you heard the whole thing in its entirety, in completion. If you're coming in the middle of the movie, in the, in the middle, we're here 5781. The, the world's around for 5,781 years. Do we know what Gilgul we, we are, what reincarnation we are, who we came to fix, who we're here to atone for, who we're here to rectify? We don't know. So as they say, we have to roll with the punches. We have to enjoy the movie, sit back and relax, enjoy the show, because we don't know how Hashem you know, manages this world. But I can tell you one thing. Suffering is very good. Suffering is very good because if we only knew the power of suffering, like I said earlier, we ask Hashem, send us more because every time we suffer here in this world, it's atoning for another sin. And after 120 years, when we get up there to our real world, to the Olam Abba, to Olam Emet, then we'll get the portion that we really deserve. Rabbi, one more live question before we go to closing, okay? Live. Okay, you're on, go. That's me? That's you. Okay, thank, thank you. Thank you, Rabbi Lati and Coach uh, Menachem and Rabbi Harness. Um, I just wanted to ask a quick question. If after 120 years, we have to measure all our veros on the scale, aren't our slates cleaned every year after Yom Kippur? Why are we still having to be accounting, accounted for those veros that are in the past? Our slate was supposed to be cleaned. Right, so that's a great question. It's actually asked in the Kadmonim, in the, in the, in the older in the, in the, the old rabbis, and they ask the same question, but in a different format. They say, what's the point of sekilah, serifah, hedek, vehenek? What's the point of the four uh, punishments that the Beddin used to enact on a person? Sekilah, they used to stone him. Serifah, they used to burn him. Hedek, they used to cut him with the, with the, with the sword, or chop his head off with the sword, and hedek, and, and uh, strangulation. What's the point of those? What, what's the, what, what does that do exactly? So they say, you know what that does? It cleans his slate off here. So up there, when he gets there, his sin is still there, but it's a lesser degree, which means that every year when we ask Hashem for forgiveness, yes, Hashem does forgive us 100%, but still there's the impression. I'll tell you, I'll tell you for, for example, what? You know, the Gemara says, there's a sin called Hilul Hashem. Hilul Hashem, desecration of Hashem's name, that has no atonement. The only atonement it has, if a person passes away, from Kiddush Hashem, through sanctifying Hashem's name. And the simple question is, why, does it, why is there no atonement for the sin of Hilul Hashem? Because, for example, if I did something, excuse me, so bad, and somebody saw it, it had a ripple effect on that person. Like the Hafez Haim says, you spoke Lashon about this person, take the pillow, you cut open that pillow, and all the feathers go fly out. Go collect all those feathers. You don't know who you 
impressed upon or you don't know who you caused to do that same sin. So yeah, our sins here are clean on earth, but we don't know what happened from our sin. Who else was affected by those sins? Only Hashem Almighty knows. Our personal sins, yes. But what happened as a result of those sins, only Shamayim knows. And that's why after 120, that's what we'll hope not, but that's what we will be punished off. What on what who we affected by those sins, not our personal, but who we affected by those sins. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. Okay, Rabbi, let's go to closing. Okay. First of all, a big, big thank you, Rabbi Ori Lati, for coming on tonight. Tremendous amount of chizuk, and it was a beautiful crowd here tonight, and it was a tremendous amount of inspiration. Somebody told me they were listening to Marriage Israel. So oh, they, yeah. wow. what time is it there? They said it was the middle of the day. They woke up at five o'clock in the morning for you. Nice. Said, but it was worth it. So nice. uh, thank you for coming and giving the chizuk. Again, tonight, she we're learning for Rabbi Ardenai Chafrit's father-in-law. And again, for anybody who's here the first time, we do the show every Sunday night at 10 p.m. And uh, please tell your friends and, you know, anybody to come on next week. We're going to have an amazing program, August 22nd. Uh, we're going to have the world-famous King of Amuna Betachin, who writes many, many books called Living Amuna, uh, which, again, I'm a big fan of his, David Ashir. Should be an amazing, powerful, deep program. Please come on. Please tell people about it. And everything tonight is recorded. It's going to be on Menachem Web, uh, Bernfeld's website on www.menachemburnfeld.com. Um, if you have any questions, please contact Coach Menachem at Gmail. Rabbi Lati, if you want to give uh, your any contact information people are asking, they could send you some questions. Um, or seven, my phone number is 718-541-2505. It's going to be on YouTube, right? Uh, the whole YouTube world is going to have it. Right, right. Except, uh, maybe I shouldn't email, say it. Email? Doesn't matter. That, yeah, email is uri at urilati.com. You like that, huh? Say that again. Say it again. That's urilati.com. Uri at urilati.com. Okay, beautiful. Very nice. Okay. Make it easy for people. That's right. Tonight's share, share number 69. Uh, if anybody wants to listen to tomorrow, it's recorded. It'll be on the phone lines at 848-777-GROW. And it's also going to be a collection. And hopefully also we'll also upload the share to Torah Anytime's uh, Rabbi Urilati's uh, um, a link over there. Again, I also want to, th- I want to thank our advertising sponsors, the Lakewood Scoop. I want to thank special, special thank you to Ravi for putting it together tonight. He's amazing. Ravi from Zach. So a big thank you to him. A special thank you to Chayla Kauf from the Trimble Summer from JCN. And we're going to go to closing. Coach Menachem, give us a little uh, wrap-up of tonight. What do you think? And then we'll go to Rabbi Lati for closing words. A wrap-up of tonight. Wow. Thank you very much, Rabbi Lati. A lot of information and... Um... A lot of chizuk. And, and again, like we mentioned, to not to be self-critical, which can take time for many people, to be aware of it and to take small things. And a good idea is write down everything uh, that if you makabal something, whatever it is, something small, write it down so that when you come to Shoshana and your kipper, you have it in your pockets. And don't feel that, you know, that's nothing. Because like we, like we said, every small thing, every small thing makes a difference. And, you know, some people wonder, like, every year, what difference does it make? But it does. Every year, we get older, we, get, we do more, and we grow. This is what it is. We can't expect to be perfect, at least not now, maybe by the 80. And um, about the emotional part, I see a lot of the questions to feel what I'm supposed to feel. And uh, it's hard for some people to connect to the emotions. And like we mentioned, if you don't slow down, you don't feel nothing. In order to feel, you need to slow down. And slowing down today's days, 
Not so easy. Not so easy. Even on Shabbos, when the, when the phone is closed, we're busy doing everything else. We're always busy, busy, busy. And there's a reason for that. So whatever works, do whatever works. I just want to mention again that if whoever wants to join me on Wednesday at 9 o'clock, send me an uh, email, coachmanachamajimalatam. I'll send you the link. We will do um, further introspection in this idea. Thank you very much, Rabbi Lati, for being here with us tonight. And uh, everybody should have chizok, whatever they need. Rabbi Lati, please leave us with chizok and powerful words. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you again to Rabbi, to Chazak, to Coach Menachem, to Asher. Thank you so much. Uh, glad to be, uh, glad to know you right now. Um, you know, I just want to add on what Coach Menachem said. We, we have to stop selling ourselves short. We have to find the cups of the in ourselves. Rab Nachman says in Torah Resh Bet in Zukatim Muharan that you have to not only find cups of benefit of the doubt in everybody around you, you have to find the benefit of that inside of you. We are really good people. We have a good neshama. Okay, so sometimes we make sins, sometimes we make aberot, sometimes we, we put that peel, sometimes we uh, uh, dirty it. Okay, but we're really deep down, we're really very good people. I mentioned earlier the Belzerov in Sefer Dober Shalom says, look at the word mima'amakim. You know, we say, mima'amakim kiraticha Hashem Hashem, I called you from the depths of, this, of the water. Mima'amakim makes the word me'omekiyam from the depths of the water. What does that mean? He says, take something and throw it in the water. He says, the light floats, the deep sinks. He says, only, only, the, only what, we, what we dirted our neshama with, the deep stuff, that sinks. But really, we're floating. Really, the good stuff is, is on the surface. We're really good. Deep down is the dirt. But really, we're really very good people. We have to find that the nekuda tova. We have to find that good benefit of that. Not only about the people around us, even in ourselves, we're really very good people. We have to utilize the month of Elul. What's left of the month of Elul, we have to utilize the month of it. If you don't, that's it. The Melech is only here for a few more days or a few more weeks. That's it. If you don't utilize it, it's over. The Tsar Nikolai was once, he, he disguised himself and he went to a pub and he wanted to see what people were talking about him. And he saw three people over there and he asked them, if the Tsar Nikolai came to you right now and he asked you whatever you want, he could fulfill your request. What would you ask of him? So the first one said, I want a brand new house. The second one said, I want a brand new, uh, I want brand new furniture. And the third one said, what's the point? He's not here. So why am I even, why am I even bothering with you? The next day, the first one got the brand new house. The second one got the brand new furniture. And the third one didn't request anything. Obviously didn't get anything. The Melech is here. The king is here. If you don't ask, if you don't ask, nothing's going to come. What does it say by, by Yaakov Avinu? Yaakov Avinu, when he passed by Israel, when he passed by Yerushalayim, and then he went, went to Haran, and he said to himself, oh, could it be? I passed by the place where my forefathers prayed, where Abraham prayed, and I didn't bring a korban, or I didn't pray over there. He wanted to go back. Hashem says, you wanted to go back? I take Yerushalayim, and I bring it to you. And the question is, one second, why did Hashem bring it to him? Let him go back. Hashem sees the sincerity. All we have to do is want. If we want, Hashem will give it to us. Even though, yes, we don't do Teshuvah 100%. We don't repent 100%. Or sometimes we don't even know the, the, the steps of Teshuvah. We don't know the, the three levels that the Rambam says. We don't know it sometimes. 
But if we're in it and we show Hashem our heart, if we only want, Hashem says, you want, I bring you to Shalayim to you. You don't have to go all the way back. I actually take you to Shalayim. I take it to Yaakov Avinu. Why? Because Yaakov Avinu wanted it. And with this, I'll end. It says the Pasuk, Yitzhak Avinu went out to the field to pray over there. When? Lifnot Arib. When it was nightfall. When it was nighttime. So the rabbis say, the best time to daven or to pray or to supplicate or to beseech Hashem, Lifnot Arib is in the nighttime because the year is coming to a close. The nighttime and the brand new day is coming. The new year is a brand new day. So the best time to ask of Hashem what you want is Lifnot Arib right now, right before the year closes. Closing time. When the store closes, you can bang on the showcase or you can bang on the awning as much as you want. If there's nobody in the store, there's nobody in the store. So get in the store as, as early as you can. We have a few more weeks left. As early as you can. Ask of Hashem whatever you want to ask of Hashem. Don't make Hashem small. No matter what it is. Physical things, spiritual things. No matter what it is. Ask Hashem. And with that, Hashem, Hashem will give all of us a good year. A year of Beracha. A year of Simha. A year of closeness to Him. A year of call to Hashem to us, to the people watching, and to all of Amis Hashem. Beautiful. Amen. Again, everybody, we'll see you next Sunday. Rev. Debbie Asher. Good night. Thank you again, Rev. Latif. Have a good night. Have a good night. Hi, it's Coach Menachem here. If you enjoyed, please consider supporting us with a small monthly, monthly donation to help sustain the future episodes. And it will be greatly appreciated. Thank you in advance.